Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. I'm the president of the United States of America, clothed in a men's podcast. <laughs> Griffin is to try to get this right for 10 minutes, folks. That was my 20th attempt. <laughs> Spielberg would have fired you. Wasn't it so much easier? Do you feel like Liam Neeson, you want to fire yourself? Yes, I want to fire myself. Yeah. Wasn't it so much easier when everyone just agreed that Abraham Lincoln talked like this? Right, I'm the president. I'm the president. Slavery is bad. And then now we know it's wrong. You have to, I am immense power. I, I'm the president. Look, now, now, now. I can't do it. Now, now, now. now. I can't do it either. The blood on our hands. I can't do it. I can't do it. Hi, everybody. My name is Griffin Newman, and I can't do it. My name's David Simpson. I can't do it either, but I didn't really try. We are capable of doing one thing, and that's hashtag being the two friends. We're also capable of doing another thing, which is hosting the podcast Blank Check. Blank Check with Griffin and David. Right. Lest you forget. Clothed in immense power. Yes. Uh, this is a podcast about directors, filmographies, people mm. who have massive success early on. And are given a series of blank checks by Hollywood mm. uh, to to test out their limits, their creative limits. Okay. I'm trying variations here. Uh, sometimes those checks clear. They do. Sometimes they do. Sometimes the checks clear. Often. Sometimes they bounce, baby. Also often. Um, but we are going through uh, the filmography of Steven Spielberg, one film at a time. We're nearing the end of our miniseries, Pod Me If You Cast. Pod Me If You Cast. And it's, it's only the films that Spielberg made after he founded DreamWorks. Yes. That's right. And this is we're, we're coming up on the, the last his, dying breaths of DreamWorks. Yes. One of his biggest hits, though. Yeah. Weirdly. For sure. Big hit. I mean, uh, like, greatly outgrossed a lot of on-paper, more commercial, accessible movies. True. It's interesting. It is interesting. Well, I mean, I would say, like, in on the one hand, like... Of course, Lincoln's uh, seems like a box office gimme. You know, yeah. Stevie Spielberg, sure. Oscar winner, famous president. Like yeah. that's the kind of movie you imagine does well in the nineties, uh-huh. be a big hit. But in two thousand twelve, you might not, you might not be so sure, right? Well, yes, and uh, Spielberg uh, started uh, developing a Abraham Lincoln film in nineteen ninety nine. A long time ago. He was working with uh, uh, Doris uh, Kearns Goodwin. Is that correct? Yes. yes. And she said, like, hey, I'm working on a Lincoln book. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what's the deal with Lincoln? She started telling him stuff. And he was like, cool dude. Into it. Want to make a flick about him. Mm-hmm. And for years and years, a series of different screenwriters come through the doors. I think, uh, was Eric Roth working on it for a while? John Logan. John Logan, right. Uh, and his version was mostly about uh, Lincoln's relationship with Frederick Douglass. Yes. I think it was kind of a two-hander. Yes. Paul Webb, a playwright, uh-huh. took a big pass, uh, and they set that up, and they had Neeson. Liam Neeson was going to do Neeson it? Neeson ready, and that was in about 05, 06. Mm-hmm. And then Spielberg decided he didn't like the script, and so... Forget it. And that script was more of a classic biopic that was... Span the life. Link, well, at least the whole presidency. Sure. You know, like Lincoln, the president. Right. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Stevie had just worked with a a little nobody by the name of Tony Kushner. Mm-hmm. A little Pulitzer Prize winning nobody. Yeah. Uh, on the film Munich. 
And he said, hey, right. Tony. That's their first collaboration. Right. And he, yeah. Hey, Tony, what do you, this is how Steven Spielberg talks yeah. about it. We haven't done his uh, accent yet on no. the show. But hey, Tony, what do you think uh, Lincoln? Yeah, this is how Spielberg talks. Now, now, now. I want that draft now. And Tony Kushner's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Lincoln, he's a good guy. Let me, uh, I'll take a look. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's good. Kushner stopped unloading those boxes down at the docks and took a pass at, at the Lincoln story. Lincoln, yeah, I knew that guy. And he said that he knew almost nothing about Lincoln, but knew that he really liked him. And so he wanted to try to figure out what it was that made him feel such a fanny for a man that he knew very little about other than the very obvious accomplishments, right? So Kushner buries himself in in Lincoln material. For years, just reads like every fucking book on Lincoln. And uh, yeah, in 2008, he joked that he was on his 967,000th book about Abraham Lincoln. Right. And he submits a 500-page draft. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, to be clear, would be a film that was about eight or nine hours long, mm-hmm. if, if just put to page, you know, page to screen. And this is, so this time between, like, 2006 and 2011, where the film finally gets uh, rolling, um, there were this, these sort of series of legendary table reads. Like, once a year, or maybe, you know, twice a year, mm-hmm. Spielberg would sort of send out the beacon, and you'd get this crazy ensemble cast of, like, 40 or 50 great actors, right? Um, obviously, Neeson and Sally Field, but then, like, I know at one point uh, Alden Ehrenrich was reading the Joseph Gordon-Levitt part. Sure. I know, like, Maria Bamford has talked about the fact that she was called in to play, like, all the sort of small female roles. Oh, hello, I'm, you know, the, the maid. I don't, yeah, okay. But there'd be these weird Maria calls. Maria Bamford impression, There'd I be guess. these, yeah. It sounds a lot like oh, Dale Day-Lewis is Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's not what Maria Bamford no. sounds like. She sounds like yeah, she's good. This is her. I don't. That's not good either. I don't. Know, I fucking. Yeah, it was okay. I'm never gonna Maybe get on Mad TV. On um, she uh, just said like she got the call out of nowhere, and sure. and like that would just happen. People would be like, "Do you want to read a part in Lincoln?" They'd be like, "Oh my god, holy shit!" They'd read it and they'd be like, "Does this mean I'm gonna get cast in the movie?" And then nothing would happen for three years. Mm-hmm. You know, it just would go on and on and on. And then 2009, uh, very shortly after. Natasha Richardson. It's in 2010. July 2010. Sorry. Natasha Richardson, his wife, Liam Neeson's wife, had died. A year earlier. Sadly. And in he a had very also. tragic freak accident. Also a year earlier, had this crazy career revival with Taken. Yep, suddenly he's Mr. Taken. He's in a weird space because on one hand, he's the most bankable he's ever been and he's now like an action leading man. On the other hand, he's going through a devastating emotional heartbreak. Right. And he's said since then that he dealt with it by working as much as he could. Um, right, yes, he just sort of took any project that was thrown at him. Right, but I think there's a difference between, like, being like, fuck it, I'm gonna do, uh, uh, Unstoppable. Right, What's I'll it do called? that No, one. not Unstoppable. Non-stop. 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 Non-stoppable. Um, there's a difference don't between- Don't worry about it, Ben. Yep, yeah, don't worry about producer Ben. Ben Deucer, Poet Laureate, Mr. Positive, The Haas, Mr. Hositive, Birthday Benny, The Tiebreaker, Third Bike Benny- Soaking Wet Benny, White Hot Benny. <laughs> Soaking Wet Benny. The Fart yeah. Detective, The Meat Lover. And this episode's very personal for you because you are, of course, we know a close personal friend of Dan Lewis. Absolutely. You're also the peeper. Yeah. You see you in the sheets, called you the fuck master. Yeah. You see you on the streets, you should wish you a hello fennel. Do not. Oh, true. Don't. Do not call him Professor Crispy. No. Yeah, you can if you want. No, no, don't no, do it, David. David. Don't do it. I now, now, now. I stand by that. You're being a rebel rouser here, yeah. okay? He has, of course, I'm a graduated. radical on yes. this podcast. You're the Thaddeus Stevens of this episode. Exactly. Uh, he has, of course, graduated to certain tells over the course of different mini series, such as Producer Ben, Kenobi, Kylo Ben, 
Ben Night Shyamalan, Ben Sa'it. Uh, 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 I like to see David going through this. Save anything. Yeah. I'm in the room with him. So Ailey, Ailey Ben's with a dollar sign. Yeah, good, great. Uh, we're hey, gonna, I'm we're, here. We're going to need a, a Spielberg name for you soon, Ben. We should That's start true. About yeah, it. what are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know what stands out to me. Yeah, we'll have to think through it. Mm. We'll Just taking a brief sort of glance at the, the films we've covered. Catch me if you, Ben. Mm, you know, we already did. Pop I know. Yeah. Come on. I mean, yeah. Saving Private Ben. <laughs> Ryben, character in Saving Private Ryan. A great character. Ed Burns' character. One of the one of Brooklyn the Brooklyn boy, one of the top twenty characters in Saving Private Ryan, probably. I'd say probably unquestionably for me one of the top twenty characters that Ed Burns has ever played. <laughs> I think it might be the best character Ed Burns has ever played. That is a much worse list. Oh, what about that McMullen fuck? <laughs> Brother McMullen, motherfucker. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, Neeson, you know, was throwing himself into action films, but I think to throw himself into a project that was this demanding. He claims he, he says no. He says he fired himself. He just thought it was too. He was too old, and it was ridiculous for him to play Abraham. Lincoln. He's at this table read. He says it's like a lightning bolt moment. He goes, "I can't do it." And everyone goes, "Oh fuck, the movie's not going to happen now." It already was stretched out over so many years. Who do they get to re- replace Liam Neeson? And Stevie throws a hail mary pass. A man he had previously corresponded with about playing the role, and every time he had gone, immense honor. Thank you for thinking of me. Can't do it. Not, not going to do it. Yeah, I don't think he. Uh, he said it was preposterous. Right. A, Spielberg makes one final plea, a handwritten letter, and Del Day Lewis finally. I'm sorry. Actually, no, that's not the full story. Okay, Ben, as uh, what happened with your friend? Ben? I I got a call from Stephen. Okay, and I said, all right, I'll I'll put in a call to Dan. I called Dan. I said, Dan, check it out. Listen, I know you're We're worried about playing bit. a presidential, ca- you know, like important figure in American sure? history. I mean, I get it. It's He's an Irishman. Yeah. You're an Irish guy. You're representing this huge figure in, in really world history. Yes, right? yes, yes. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot to put on your shoulders. But baby, you're Dan Lewis, and I pepped him up, and he did it. Um, this used to be a no bits podcast. I just want to get that on the yeah. record. Yeah. Well, so. thank you, Ben. Well, I'm not for I mean, your service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, no bit. Come on. Uh, it's we, just you know, this used to be a no bits oh, podcast. You're right, though. Yeah, since we've revisited the best of, yeah, 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 we've, yeah. we've sort of brought that back, huh? Like, let's say, I mean, the show used to be um, a lot more serious than it is now, right? And I think it might be time to buckle down and and get a little more focused. Question a though, more, yeah. Question though, lock the gates. That sort of oh, seems we haven't done like, that. In a that while. seems like a bit. That's a great bit. We should do it right now. Lock, lock the, the gates gate. now, now, now. <laughs> Clothed in immense. Gates. I don't know. Locked in immense gates. <laughs> All right. Oh, this is seriously still no bits. Okay. No bits. All right. Enough. Um. Uh. Dan, so Dan, Dan Lewis, Lewis says he's yes. like, yeah, sure. I guess he hadn't made a movie since nine. Right. Maybe he's thinking like, Ugh, I don't want nine to be the last movie I made. Because there's always this thing when Dale oh, Day Lewis nine. makes a movie where it's like, maybe he just doesn't make a movie ever again. Like nine, it's always possible. More like four. Yeah. <laughs> Best. I think that's even general. Yeah. Generous. I think I'd give it a three. I just think Daniel Day Lewis would give it a four. Yes. He was in it. Yeah. Um, um but Nine's they, I, also I know we've been talking about nine a lot recently for whatever nine, nine, reason. Nine. Yeah. Um Nine was also an example of it was developed for years as Javier Bardem. And then Javier Bardem sure. dropped out and they were like, Why make it if you can't get Javier Bardem? Who would be a better choice than Javier Bardem? And then they were like, Daniel Day Lewis, everyone was like, Oh shit! This movie hey. just got real, yeah. and then everyone saw it, and they were like, "This was a bad idea." Daniel Day Lewis is undoubtedly 
the number one actor who, if he's in a movie, you are interested in it, as if a famous director is making You a take movie. it seriously. It's like, oh, Daniel Day-Lewis wants to do something? Right. He hasn't made a movie since Lincoln. He is mm-hmm. now making a movie again with Paul Thomas Anderson, who right. directed him in There Will Be Blood. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, five years ago, Lincoln, that was his last performance. Well, and Takes it easy. It was even like surprising at the time that Nine came only two years after or three years Nine after. Nine is the weirdest thing in the world. Right. He worked with a bad director to make a part, to be in a party was all wrong for, right. like in a musical, which no one really figured him for. It, that's the only, I mean, no, he's made all of the decisions that are a bit of a head scratcher. Scratch my head. Sure. Uh, but uh, that, that was a real head scratcher. Well, I'll tell you, I, I fell down a weird... YouTube rabbit hole of watching nine clips the other night because I was just like, wait, he was in a fucking musical. Um, and everyone makes fun of like, oh, the the Dale Day Lewis process, how DP immerses himself. You know, he goes off into the wilderness and whatever. Yeah. But like, you look at something like Lincoln and it's like, okay, he spent some time like thinking about that character and yeah, building no, he, it. He ran for office. Right. And then he held a series of debates around the country yeah. with, uh, no, you go ahead. You look at nine and you look at how shortly it came after There Will Be Blood. Mm hmm. And you're like, yeah, maybe he does need that many years to like. Maybe he just needs four or five years to yeah. just spool up, you know? Yeah. Because you watch Nine and you're like, that character's not totally maybe big. Maybe he just wanted out of Daniel Plainview. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, in Nine, he's playing a, a musical character that yeah. had been originated by uh, Raul, Raul Julia. Julia and, and then was played, played by on Broadway by Banderas, which yeah. I saw on stage and he was wonderful. Um, so he wasn't playing like his character that he no. could like create from the ground up. No. But maybe that, I don't know. I mean, also, it's just kind of a crappy movie. Rob Marshall's kind of a crappy director. He is buddies with Steven Spielberg, though, so maybe yeah. maybe that was part of why Spielberg got him on board for Lincoln. And I will say this, too. Dale Day-Lewis does have a nice singing voice. Uh, perfectly fine. I think he looks uncomfortable in those musical numbers, but I actually think he has a quite uh, lovely voice. I th- I think he just was like, maybe I should just sing. Like, you know? La, la, la. You think he was just in the shower I one think day? He, yeah, and then and was, was like, going, no, no. Wow. And then he went, no. <laughs> He's like, wait a second. No! I got to share this with the people. All right. Lincoln is shot Lincoln. in 2011. Lincoln. It comes out in 2012. They bring back Sally Field. Yeah. Sally Field basically like stood outside Steven Spielberg's house being like, I will be playing Mary Todd Lincoln and you're not going to stop me. Well, because she was the right age at the time they started developing the project. Right. In the Yeah, because she's too old for the yes. role now, which is pretty rare that you have an actress who is too old for a role. Yeah, and she's like, I've been living with this character for like, you know, fucking like seven, eight years. Right. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to gain the weight. She is 11 years older than Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, they make it fucking work. And, no, I think they do. Yeah, and then they add a fucking murderer's row of actors. The cast in this movie is insane. Look, Every scene. I mean, he's been doing it before, but this, yeah, yeah this cast this is This is the terrific. one where you're like, wait, Walton Goggins is being introduced this late? Well, it's just because it's a a. It's a show. It's a movie about yeah. uh, congressmen and yeah. various like civil servants, secretaries of state and war. That you can just have, you know, Spielberg can just be like, hey, Walton, you ever wanted to be in a Steven Spielberg movie? I got right. two scenes for you. You know, right? Like, show up. Yes. Well, A, I mean, you know, honor to work with him. B, I think honor to work with Down Day Lewis. Like, everyone wants to see that guy yeah. working up close. Um, there are a million characters within the story, naturally. But also, um, because it's Kushner. And it's such a verbose movie. The thing is, Mary Todd Lincoln was nine years older than Abraham Lincoln. Really? Yes. So it does make sense. It does make sense. Want to get that on the record? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was going to say. I, knew, I think I knew that. It was like an. Un, it was seen as an unusual match at the time. 
And it's part of the reason a lot of people think Abraham Lincoln was gay. Yes. And hence log cabin Republican, because Abraham Lincoln was born in a log cabin. That's all scurrilous, but that is where they came up with the idea. Yes. Um, what you, I was... You're with me, Benny? Yeah. What, what I was going to say is that because this is a Kushner script and it has such a love of language, even if you're a day player in this movie, it's not like the part's like, hey, uh, Mr. Lincoln, call for you. Like anyone who has one line in this movie is such an exquisitely written piece of language that it's like, even if you're only working you're, a day, you're just like, hmm. You're going to get to dig in. Right. It's like you're being given a nice pate. Right. It's, it's like driver's part in the film. Yes. Like he, he stands out and you know, he's memorable. Exactly. And it's like a small it's like little thing. Like, right. Why wouldn't yeah. you do that one right. scene? You get yeah, to act course. with Daniel Lewis. You get to be directed by Steven Spielberg and your dialogue is interesting. What if you're Adam Driver and it's like they call you, like, you want to be a telegraph operator? He's like, nope. Abraham right. Lincoln only. <laughs> I am offer only for presidents. But you hear. And I have to have my shirt off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll play Andrew Johnson, his vice president, who became president. That counts. Yeah. Uh, I'll play the president of the Confederacy. Andrew Johnson, completely absent from this movie. Yeah, yeah. There was a rumor for a long time that Harrison Ford was playing Andrew Johnson. Even like before the film was released, after it had been shot, they were like, they're keeping it secret, but Ford's in the movie as. Interesting. Strange. Strange idea. Would have been exciting though if he showed up and was like uh, in Fuck a real you, movie. Lincoln. Yeah, eh, you know Andrew Johnson though. He's an asshole. He's kind yeah. of yeah. yeah. He's kind but, of uh, listen, yeah. Lincoln. And, and also, Andrew Johnson was like a real southern gentleman, like real southern. And I, mean, I don't really buy Harrison Ford as like a real southern dude. True. Uh, famously got drunk at his inauguration. Andrew Johnson. And oh, like I thought had, you meant Harrison Ford. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, he's not the president yet. Do you want to hear my impression of uh, Harrison Ford doing a Southern accent just because you said you sure. think he can't do sure. it? Sure. Goes a little something like this. Goes a little something like this. <laughs> Get off my fan boat. <laughs> that was not worth no, One second no, of anyone's no. time. That was great. Thank you, Ben. Oh, I'm giving it two comedy points. Sure, two. Okay, I, I can buy two. Um... But Kushner makes this, you know, as he's developing the script, he goes like, what if I only focus on the last four months right. of Lincoln's Well, life? I think, right, Kushner sends this 500-page script. Right. Spielberg's like, look, a lot of good stuff here. I'm yeah. not going to make an eight-hour movie as much as that might be fun. <laughs> right. uh, maybe he should have. I don't know. Uh, in my opinion, he should make a sequel to this movie. I think I tweeted this. Starring Jared Harris as Ulysses Grant. I agree. I would love to see that movie. Jared Harris in three scenes, That's he is uh, arresting. Well, you know Jared Harris has talked about this a lot. <laughs> but like it just independently, he's just like, let's do it, Steve. Not Spielberg doing it, but he, I think he was on, he locked the gates with Mark Marin, And in his WTF episode, Jared Harris, like, um, Marin was like, oh, you had a small part in Lincoln. You played Grant. That must have been exciting, right? And he was like, I did a lot of research. I took like, that seriously. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. I was in uh, Lincoln. That's I'm sort a- of doing a decent job. Mm, uh, yes, uh, I'll say this. I, I don't know if it's going to play if you can only hear the voice, but the face and the body language you're doing right now is so Jared Harris. Uh, oh, he's pretty good in Allied. Yeah, he's such a good actor. Uh, Allied he- Oscar nominee. This is our first podcast after the Oscar nomination. Yeah, should have gotten more. Mm, no. Uh, yeah. Um, no, no. Also, very good in uh, certain women. Uh, great in His certain women. His last in certain women. Great in certain women. Phenomenal. And a great example of Jared Harris. He can do any accent. Yep. You know, just, you know, he'll play anyone. So, and, of course, he can play President Grant. Um, yes. He said that he really uh, is fascinated by President Grant as a man and is very desperate to try to play him again. He wants to. He's not going like, oh, I'm calling up Steven every day. He's not pulling like a Tom Arnold True Lies 2 where he's like begging the director to bring him back. 
but he has talked no, about no. that he would like to play that character in full. I'm all for it. Me too. All for it. Um, Jared Harris is, how old is he, 55? Yeah. Grant died. He was in his 60s. So Great. like We got time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they focus up the script. They decide to make it uh, mostly about the 13th Amendment. Mm-hmm. They make it about, right, right after his re-election in yeah. 1865, uh, his, the three months spent on passing the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery, right before the war ended. Right. They're sort of race against time to get it through before the war ended so that when the South rejoined, they, you know, it would be the law of the, it would be in the Constitution and they wouldn't right. be able to do anything about it. Which is, uh, that period of time is contained within the last four months of his life. Right, and then he, he went, and, went and got himself shot. Yeah, he went and uh, saw a play, if you catch my drift. I don't catch your drift. Much like, uh, you know, Fidel Castro uh, saw a play last year. You're saying Fidel Castro was assassinated by a disgruntled actor? No, I'm using saw a play as Just to mean died. Death, yeah. I see. Yeah. Right. He was actually one of the, like lead or like the best actors of the time. Right, right. It would, yeah. it would be like, it wasn't like Tom Cruise, but it would be like if like Michael Shannon shot you or something. Like, like, like a very Harris. respected yeah, actor. Right, yeah, 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 right, right. Yeah. Jared Harris Yeah, was just like, I've had enough of you, Abraham Lincoln. Well, do the Jared Harris impression. Oh. <laughs> 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 it's just sort of this groan. <laughs> what was the first thing? I guess the first thing I saw him in was when he played John Lennon. Way back Oh, in when. Uh, Backbeat? Backbeat, yeah. yeah. He's That's so like great. from the 90s. He's been around for, he's yeah. in Dead Man, and I love and have seen Dead Man, but yeah. I don't remember him in it. He was trucking around for years and years and years. Uh, anyhow, the anyhow. movie we're talking about today is Lincoln, the film that they ended up making. No, it's called Two of Us. Backbeat's a different one. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. He Two did the one the that one was him in. Okay, thank you. Backbeat is with Ian Hart, I think. Yes. And uh, Stephen Dorff. Oof. Ian Hart is also a very good, very underrated actor. Ian Hart's an excellent actor who yeah. doesn't seem to want to do a lot of acting. No, he was... Uh, he was, a lot of TV he was in the pilot of vinyl, mm. and he, I did not recognize him. I, I just I didn't put together that it was him, and he was like fucking phenomenal to watch work. So why wasn't he in the rest of vinyl? Uh, I don't know. Great. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But lovely guy, fucking unbelievable actor. Cool. Um, All right, Lincoln. Can I throw up my first complaint about this movie? You have a complaint? I oh, do. This is a great movie. I have two too com- good? I have two complaints about this movie. God, I know, it is too good. Yeah. I have two complaints about this movie, and they're not major. And sure. one of them might be really fucking petty. Okay. That you're not in it? I'm sorry, Griffin. I auditioned to play Lincoln. <laughs> to play Lincoln? <laughs> when Neeson dropped out. <laughs> they were just sweating Day-Lewis, though. I sent him a like, self-tape. Look, we'd like you to play Lincoln. We have this guy. We got a good guy. He's an unknown, Griffin Newman. But now, we would- now, now. <laughs> Go ahead. What they said, your- you know, Griffin Newman who played the third lead in Beware the Gonzo. All right. What was your What, what is your complaint? My complaint is... People talk about this movie as if it's a biopic. I would argue this is not a biopic. Okay. I would argue that this movie is a film about the passing of the 13th Amendment in which Abraham Lincoln is it's the lead character. It's a historical drama. Right. In right. the same way that like Selma is not a Martin Luther King Sure. Fine. Film. Fair enough. It's more of a 13th Amendment passage biopic right. than it is. I mean, a classic biopic, of course, would be like you open on a log cabin. Sure. And they give birth and they're like, oh, very presidential looking baby or whatever. Right, you know, right. Like, that, that <laughs> he fucking comes thing. out and they put a stovepipe out. On right. Him. Like Selma is a movie about the Selma marches in which the lead character is right. Martin Luther King. Yes. Junior. Um, super fucking petty. What? But it irks me then that the movie is called Lincoln. That is very petty. I 
preface it by saying it was. That is a stupid. Ben, will you just lean in right now and say that that's a really stupid opinion? Um, that's a, that's a stupid opinion. You gotta market a movie. I mean, Jesus. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But come on. But I would call it Lincoln versus the Thirteenth Amendment. Nice. And he was in favor of it. He was. That's the twist. Mm, they team a, up. It's an early twist it's in like, that movie. It's like X Two X Men United. Uh-huh. Magneto and Wolverine have to work together. It's not really a twist in X Two. It's more of like a a plot element yeah. that is then discarded. They have or, to you know. beat Striker. What, what was that? Uh, it could be like Lincoln's last days. That's sure, it'd be a terrible God. That sounds like a Gus Van Sant movie. Well, that's what I was trying. Yeah, <laughs> it's like just Lincoln in bed, just Lincoln. being like, eh, I don't know what to do with myself. There's well, there's the the John Ford Henry Fonda movie, Young Mr. Lincoln. Young Mr. Lincoln. That is explicitly about him as a young man, right. kind of like how Barry is about only young Barack Obama or whatever. Right when yeah, before he changes him to Barack. Yeah. Um. They uh they could have called this movie the old Mr. Lincoln or the as as old as he was ever gonna get Mr. Lincoln. They called this movie Lincoln wisely. Okay. What's your second complaint? It better be better than that one. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh-huh. But it's uh it's on that same path. Is it that they shouldn't have done the last yeah. scenes? Well, I yeah. think I agree with that. I think you guys would all agree with that. That yeah. that's for sure. I think the movie should end ten minutes earlier. Look. And I think there are a couple other little moments across the way of the film that I'll get to when I get to them, where I feel like it is making sort of biopic gestures i think that's the only major one and i do think it's an error spielberg makes the same error in bridge of spies it's a much more minor error yeah where it's like yo why this last scene you 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 literally edited the film with an ending yes like the film literally ends and then it cuts to a new scene like it fades you yes. know you're like good, it's the most good. satisfying dramatic payoff <laughs> right. that the movie could have it's the thing the we'll whole get to that in bridge of spies obviously and boy but, i can't wait oh what have we been Fantastic. tracking this though with Steven throughout the miniseries? Yes, it yes. is a because common complaint. I feel complaint. like it's yes. been coming up yes. with a lot of the recent episodes. It's a common complaint, yeah. uh, especially the one-two punch of AI and Minority Report. The the common complaint about those movies became like, ah, too many endings. Like, even though I would dispute maybe right. some of those, some of those films. And I think Munich people complain about the sex scene at the end. Very yep. often, it's like <laughs> the last. Munich has the sex Oof. scene, and then the scene where Jeffrey Rush like right. approaches him and is like, right. So, good job, right? And he was like, no, I didn't like it. And we're like, yeah, well, we got that already. Yeah, right, right. You know? like, and it's a, not a bad scene, yeah. but you're, you're just kind of like, we know, we get it. Well, and I feel like people used to have that complaint about Catch Me If You Can, too. I mean, the yeah, Catch Me If You Can as well. It has too many endings. I feel like every, it does. I feel like every Spielberg movie we've covered has had that complaint, essentially. Maybe save for Tintin. It's just, but, I think but, it's and, partly a yes. problem of being... Steven Spielberg. I agree. Not a ton of people are going to say no to you. Yeah. Maybe if you're a slightly less well-known director, someone will be like, honestly, like, yeah. let's end it right here. Right, well, whatever. And I think with time and distance, some of those movies have been, and the endings have been reevaluated, and they go, oh, actually, the ending isn't what it seems AI to be. AI and Minority Report, right. I would say, are the, the best ones right. in that. Yeah. But I think it also falls into, you know, this thing we've been talking about is this whole period of Spielberg's career, right? Like, post Schindler's List, he starts his own studio, he has this money. Yeah. He's gotten taken seriously as an adult director, right? He's gotten out of his like big boy popcorn. Director. Yes, let's um, use the, the form. He's a big term. boy director. Yeah, he's a big boy director. Um, he starts making these movies that exist in moral shades of gray Absolutely. about unanswerable questions. Absolutely. All the movies are about that, right? Really, I mean, pretty much every movie in this miniseries. And this is the beginning of what I would call Spielberg's constitution phase. Yes, yes. And it's also he becomes <laughs> a real classicist. I mean, he starts going like, "I want to make fucking." John Ford, Capra, Absolutely. Howard Hawks movies. Yes, I want to make Capra movies, yeah. Right, you know? But but with a little more, maybe a little more sort of like 
of a questioning, like, you know, yeah. like you should, shades of gray kind of element to them. Like maybe right. a little more of a melancholy tone. But at the time that everyone is starting to, like the Amblin homage era is starting to really ramp up, right? Like Super 8. People are I making Super 8. Comes out the same year as this or the year before? Uh, it's either 11 or 12. I think it's 11, but I yeah. can look it up. Uh, Super 8 Motel, Super 8, 2011. Okay. Yes. So, you know. Yeah, that come, and then Spielberg uh, produces that. Yes. You know, it's not like that's just a ripoff of him. Spielberg is assisting in the making of a sort of 21st century E.T. But that kickstarts this thing of people going like, I want to make movies that feel like those old Amblin movies. And people keep on talking about that in interviews, right? There's right. that, which is like very explicitly an Amblin homage. And same thing with fucking Stranger Things. But there are other things in between where like, uh, fucking Sean Levy's Real Steel, which Spielberg produces as well. He was like, I just wanted to make something that felt like, you know, all these weird fucking things. Sean Levy, now an Oscar nominee. Yep. For producing Arrival. Hey, man. Yeah. Good job producing that good movie. And he also produced Stranger Things. He's he's in this phase where he wants to produce Sean Levy's other actually a decent producer. He actually yeah. makes a lot of interesting stuff. I think he is. I didn't like Stranger Things. Uh, I think he has good taste in selecting projects for other people to make. Yeah. Anyhow. He's a mediocre director. Uh, the point is... Uh, Spielberg is getting further and further away from the thing that people are trying to uh, homage him for doing. And I feel like he gets stuck in this rut where people are like, oh, it's another one of those Spielberg movies. It's going to be like fucking homework. Like, I feel like there were a lot of people with this and yeah, with Bridges Spies. Oh, yeah, some people take these movies as like broccoli movies, right? Yeah, yeah it's like, like uncle uh, movies, yeah, exactly. dad movies. Like dad movies, yeah, dad right. movies. I mean, Bridges Spies, that's a classic. What the fuck is this? Uh, I'm sorry. Was, I, I'm not even going to say what that text was. What was it a was it a text that makes you look really cool? No, 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 um, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it was. It wasn't. Okay. Uh, it was from Taylor Swift. We started hanging out. That'd be great if Taylor yeah. Swift dated you. That'd be great. Yeah, it was a, a long payoff after saying that I thought we would be friends. In yeah, Attack of the in Podcast. Like a, Attack of the Podcast. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was correct. We really like each other. Nothing romantic, but we just we get each other. So you're like her new Ed Sheeran. You're like her new yeah. little like shit boy. Yeah, I'm her new <laughs> she shit parades boy. around. Yeah, exactly. She keeps <laughs> Not me on a leash. Boy. She it's a shit no, boy. No, a shit boy. boy. Yeah, fuck boy is too good for that. Yeah, she creates me around, <laughs> then she goes shit now, and I pull down my pants and I shit in the street corner, <laughs> which you're great at. I'm really good at that. Uh, that's barely people, need to be asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could shit on a All moment's right. notice. Okay, <laughs> Lincoln, okay. Lincoln. Yeah, um, you're saying it's an eat your vegetables movie. Oh, this is what I was gonna say. Okay, uh-huh. Spielberg, his his supporters and his detractors all have the same point, which we've said a bunch of times, which is he's a very emotional, visceral director. Right? He's an expressive okay. director. He hits fine points about like you know the Amblin catharsis of okay. like here's the payoff, here's the that. Right. right. When he's making these movies that exist in these areas of moral grayness, sure. I think he sometimes doesn't trust himself to not end it with a very clear statement. That's fair. Right. So, yeah, a little bit. Look. Even if it isn't verbalized, look, there's some visual moments at the end of this that are just like too much paprika in the sandwich, so Too to much speak. paprika in the sandwich. Uh, look, here's my thing. Yeah. Catch me if you can. Ending goes on a little while. Not sure he needs to visit his goddamn family home again somehow completely implausibly. But no, don't don't let me finish. Felt that way at the time. Now let me finish. It's okay. It basically works. But in Catch Me If You Can, I didn't know that that guy, right? Like me, two thousand two cinema goer doesn't probably doesn't know that that guy goes on to work for the FBI and figure out like you know like interesting. Tell me that Lincoln. I know that Lincoln got shot. Like I'm aware. We all know. A title card is all I need, which is just a month later or 
What I don't need everyone to be like, oh, Lincoln's dead. Like, right. Don't you want to see his young son react to the news <laughs> that his father was assassinated? We're crying out loud. Like I, we 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 are all ready for that. It's a famous thing about Abraham Lincoln is that he got assassinated. And also the movie has dramatically concluded itself. Yes. You can the, make if you yeah. want to make a movie about his assassination, like Robert Redford did with the conspirator. You can totally do that. Like Oliver Stone did with JFK. One you know, can do that. That's a different movie, but I don't need him walking, you know, and then right. it's like, what's that? <laughs> you know, yes. uh, whatever, fine. But that falls into like my my complaint is otherwise perfect movie. My complaint isn't that literally the movie is called Lincoln, and that's a complaint. My complaint that is complaint, that you goddamn no, Lincoln my log. point is now I am a goddamn Lincoln log, and I can lay a Lincoln log in a moment's notice. My point is that I feel like that is emblematic of that pressure of like we're trying to make the definitive Lincoln movie. Let's call it Lincoln. Let's include the assassination at the end. Like 90% of the movie is so focused on what it's trying to do and what it isn't trying to do. And then 10% feels like okay. the Joseph Gordon-Levitt side plot doesn't work for me. 95 well. five. Yes. Um, I think that also falls into like biopic territory. Yeah. The Joseph Gordon-Levitt plot is interesting. It, yeah. It doesn't work. It feels really didactic to me. Mm. I just think In the way the rest of the movie does. I just think it's not. I don't think it's didactic. I just think it's not dramatically as interesting as they think it is. But they sure. want you to know why Mary Todd Lincoln is coming coming apart at the seams, and yeah. so that's why he's there. He's not really there for his stuff, which is, I agree, not that interesting. It's more because she is roiled by the fear of losing a son. And I feel she like... She lost all her children except for one. Yes, uh, Gully McGrath. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's why that's there, but I agree, you know, if I was like, if I had a fast-forward button, I'd probably... Mm-hmm. I also, I feel like this... I like the legislative stuff, yeah. obviously. Yeah, I mean, there's a courtroom drama... But it's a weird approach to a movie because it's a courtroom drama in which the main character never appears in court. No, it's a courtroom. It's not a court. It's it's like the movie. Um, I know it's not literally Runaway a Jury. Job. Is that what that movie yeah. was called? It's about buying off the jurors. It's not. It's like it's a courtroom drama where the courtroom scenes don't really happen until the verdict. So it's more just about Lincoln's like. Well, they're the earlier, Let me see these yeah. jurors. Yeah, there's a couple. You know, a couple scenes. Of, I uh, Lee the, Pace peacocking. This movie's weirdly structured in a way that I commend. It's a very it's beautifully structured. It's a very odd, unconventional approach to how to tell this story. Well, I think we talked about this on Amistad. This is yeah. this is the movie that he wanted to that make. Amistad, Amistad should right. be, right. and obviously Amistad can't be because it's. Look, if you're going to make a white savior movie about slavery, yeah. Abraham Lincoln is probably a better target right. for your movie than John Quincy Adams and Matthew McConaughey and a bunch of other randos yes. and some slaves who can't even speak English. You know, like, right. Amistad's an interesting movie yeah. not to be given to Steven Spielberg. Uh-huh. Amistad's an interesting movie in someone else's hands, maybe. And he shies away from the dramatic embellishment of Amistad to just be like, this is how things went down. Like, it's a process movie, which I find interesting. Yeah, right. And yeah, and Amistad also, it's like a stirring movie with the end. It's like, and that began the civil rights movement. And you're like, you do one bit of reading. You're like, no, it didn't. Uh, not the civil rights, but the yeah. abolitionist movement. You know, that began the civil war. And in Lincoln, they're like, and that freed the slaves. And you're like, well, it did. The 13th Amendment, fairly important. Yes, right. So at least the weight of the film is more justified than yes. something like Amistad. Um, I also, I feel like, uh, what I find interesting about this movie, I remember there was a lot of eye-rolling, you know, aside from the, the excitement over the Daniel Day-Lewis, I feel like there was some, like, eye-rolling and scoffing about, like, Spielberg making a Lincoln film. How inspirational is that going to be? Like, everyone was just like, sure. it's the most idealistic president, you know? Absolutely. It's the director who wants to see the best in people or had for the first 20 years of his career really focused on that, right? 
Well, also, he had just made War Horse. Yes. So people were really like, God, is Spielberg just turning into, like, Mr. Schmaltz in his old age? Right. Like, yeah, is that what this is going to be? Right, because War Horse is hella schmaltz. It's Apple Dumpling Gang. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, this movie is... What I find most interesting about this movie is its central thesis is, like, here's this guy who is just so, like, uh, lionized, you know, for yeah. good reason. And, Lincoln, yeah, yes. yeah, fairly famous. And the movie's explaining how he had to do a lot of shitty stuff in order to do something really great and important. Okay. Like, it's a movie about Dirty Pool. It's about how muddy politics were from the beginning. You know, the second you include that many people, how muddied it gets. Sure. And it's, like, where it's very easy to just go, like, Lincoln freed the slaves. And that he did. It's, like, Lincoln had to fucking, like, work the system. Ben, you want to say something? I was just stretching, but um, I guess now, yeah, bureaucracy, right? Yes, it's a about bureaucracy. This is all about just the bureaucracy, right. the back rooms, yes. the channels, the talking, yes. the lobbyists, all that shit to make a bill happen. And all the concessions, you know, that have to be made on all sides. Sure. You know, the Absolutely. sacrifice you have to make in, in the name of a greater good. Not only that, though, and that's why I call this his Constitution movie, just like Bridge of Spies. Like, it's a movie about, like... Uh, yeah, things not feeling very legal as they happen. Yeah, and like the sort of weird fungible nature of our government mm-hmm. uh, that Lincoln is not afraid to push, although he doesn't want to destroy it, obviously. Yes. And uh, I mean, I think that's what Kushner's fascinated by because so many of these scenes are Lincoln kind yeah. of ruminating over like, what is my role in all this? Like, and playing a little dirty pool. He's playing to get dirty. the end result he wants. Hindu Kush. Hindu Kush. Hell yeah. Um. <laughs> But that's also where this movie benefits from having such a stacked supporting cast because if it's like a scene where they're going to talk to a fucking senator and he's only got one scene, it helps to have that guy pop. You want me to just, I mean, should I run through some of this cast, baby? Let's play this game, okay? Oh, my God. Let's take turns naming cast members until one of us can't remember another cast member. No, that'll take forever. Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> Gloria Rubin. Sally Field. <laughs> Wait, are we saying who's popping? Yeah. Yeah, this is too much, man. Tommy Lee Jones. Pops. Esopath Amerkison. They all pop. Walton Goggins. <laughs> Steven Henderson. Hal Holbrook. Poppers. But you see, we're not giving these guys their fair due. I want to give them their fair due, not just race through them. I'm just trying to list how many fucking people there are. I'm not uh, doing performance reviews. And I'm saying I don't like that idea. Jeez. Right. There you go. Well, let's take it to court. Yeah, let's take it to court, baby. Yeah. Hey, what's up? Hi, I'm Judge Ben. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's do it appropriately and okay. go through the names. One thing I want to say. Yeah. I've ruled. Speaking up, because I, I noticed him. He's dismissing your ruling. No, no, I'm with you. Yeah. I noticed him in this, yeah. and then, he, of course, he's in Bridge of Spies, and uh, we gave him lots of credit, but maybe not enough credit on our episode for The Visit. Peter McRobbie, yes. baby. Yes. Peter McRobbie. Yes. I feel like I just saw him swing up. Now I have to. Yeah. Peter McRobbie, uh, who plays an old racist in this yeah. movie. He plays uh, George H. Pendleton, who is a racist uh, Democrat. Yes. Um, and he is the, he's the John Dulles, the director of the CIA and Bridge of Spies. Also very good in this film. And uh, he's a poopy diaper man in The Visit. Yes. Uh, another person who's very good in this film, uh, Connor Ratliff, a.k.a. David Costabile. <laughs> he really, he would be a good Connor Ratliff in Connor, the Connor Ratliff story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or yeah. Connor would be good in Costabile, the David Costabile story. Absolutely. He yeah. plays James Ashley. Uh, yeah. He's actually terrific because he's like. He's playing one of those guys who will sort of go to Lincoln and be like, oh, Lincoln, why are you being such a pain in the ass? Yeah. And Lincoln's like, well, let me tell you a story about an old mill, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I love that. 
Yeah. Whatever I just said. I yeah, you, yeah, you did love that. That is true. I can attest. <laughs> you really liked it. I'm looking at David's face, and he loved Peter what McRobbie. he just said. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Walton Goggins. Well, and let's talk about, you know. Christopher Evan Welch. Oh, the great. The clerk of the Congress late, or whatever. The late, great Christopher Evan Welch. I mean, talk about a guy. Because didn't Christopher, am I wrong? No, he didn't do the narration for that. Christopher Evan Welch did the narration for Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Uh, is that right? Yes, he did. And he was the uh, priest giving the eulogy in uh, Synecdoche, New yes, York. Yes, in Synecdoche. And then played fucking, what's his name? Why am I forgetting? Not Gavin Velson, the other one. Peter Gregory in Silicon Valley. Peter Gregory Valley, in Silicon and Valley, died. and then died at the end of season one. You're forgetting he was in Rubicon, one of my favorite yes. TV shows. Um, but uh, a guy who is so good. Oh, he's also the pig fuck in The Master. Yeah, pig fuck you in The Master. pig fuck! That's right. He's the, uh, he's the guy who is causing some problems at a meeting. Yes. Yeah, he's saying, like, hey, this is a Scientology is a bunch of yeah. shit. Which is, by nature, a cult. <laughs> uh, great actor, Christopher Evan Welch. And, like, and that's what this movie is. Yeah. You see a guy, and then you have five minutes thinking on that guy's whole career. Right. And, that and his, then he's gone. Like His you know. role is essentially to read the roll call. He just reads the names of congressmen. Yeah. And they go, like, yay. And then just yay. marks off a check or an X. Um, but he, he makes it sing. Walton Goggins, Clay Hawkins. Yes. Like now, a, a swing Democrat. Uh, An idiot. Walton Goggins, very textured, clever, you know, plays a lot of real smart sort of uh, crafty guys on sure. TV. In movies, usually plays like the the, the biggest hick you ever did see, right? right? Like, yes. I'm thinking of The Hateful Eight. What else, what else am I thinking of? Uh, well, G.I. Joe, uh, Retaliation, obviously. Uh, obviously. He I plays mean, Cobra Commander's Handler in the Django basement. Unchained, Django Unchained, obviously. Yes. Uh, just like... You, do you need some, the worst, like, southern piece of shit? Walton Goggins is your man. Like, do you want him to give, like, eight extra layers? Oh, see him on TV. Like, we, check yeah. him out on Justified. We haven't talked about my favorite part of the movie, which is, you know, uh, when when Chris Gather was on our Revenge of the Podcast performance review, yeah. he talked about his Jedi wrecking crew. He talked about Plo Clun, Yadi Mundi, and uh, Kit Fisto. Of course, Kit Fisto. And he felt like those three characters were having this off-screen adventure where they're just three Jedis who fucking tear shit up, shit up and just fucking rip it in general with these killer personalities and amazing backstories, right? Uh-huh. But you don't really see them functioning as a wrecking crew together. Okay. This movie gives you a bureaucratic wrecking crew. Who's your wrecking crew? <sighs> Please. I'm talking fucking James Spader. James Spader is- Tim Blake uh, Nelson, John Hawks. Yeah, the John Hawks is kind of your quiet, you know. Tim Spader, James Spader, he's like yeah. John Hawks is the is the right. Plo Clune. He's the Plo Clune. James Spader is obviously Kip Fisto, right? Unquestionably, he, he's the real. He's the cannonball. Yes, like, he says know. fuck. He does say, uh, "Well, I'll be fucked." I believe. I love it. He, and, he's and cracking Abraham walnuts Lincoln, with a hammer. Abraham Lincoln says, "I certainly imagine so." Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, His name's fucking Bilbo. Possible to me. His name is Bilbo, and uh, and then. Um, <laughs> In the middle there, you've got uh, old Tim Blake Nelson, who's kind of like... Coyote Monday. Yeah, well, the way I see it is, yeah. you know, like, I have weird facial hair. You yeah. can't take your eye off of it. It's like a mustache and sideburns. <laughs> Maybe Hawks is Mundy and and uh, Bl- Nelson is Plo Clune. Sure. Because he's I, the weird-looking one, one you're trying to Yeah, on. it's hard to get a read on. Look, I mean... He's I'll, got a cockroach face. Uh, the thing with... Uh, uh, his his cockroach, uh, his sideburns and mustache. He should have said to Lincoln, like, "Hey, my facial hair and your facial hair get together. We got a full beard on our hands." 
Chin plus mustache and sideburns. I got half. You got half. <laughs> when we form like Voltron, we become the Wolfman. And Stevenson, yeah, I mean Lincoln would be like, oh, it's interesting. Let me tell you about an old mill. How did this movie not win uh, hair and makeup uh, at the Oscars? It's a good question. Who beat it? Uh, do you want me to look it up? 2012 at the 85th Academy Awards. Yeah, who do who do you think beat it? Hmm. Oh. Is something really dumb? Yes, and Lincoln wasn't even nominated. Yeah. Outrageous. Because I think they don't give Ugh. enough credit for facial hair. But the facial hair in this movie is insane. The grooming in this film is unbelievable. Everything, it, look. And even they had to do makeup on Day-Lewis. Of course. Yeah. Make him look like Abraham Q. Lincoln. Yes. I don't know what his middle name was. Hubert. <laughs> uh, do you know who won? It's such a bad win. It was like, it was like a dumb blockbuster movie? No. No. It was kind of... An Oscar favorite, I guess. It's not a good movie. It made a lot of money. 2012. I don't know. What was it? Les Miserables. Oh. Like, I mean, I guess the makeup's fine in that. I guess. It's a little over the top. It's a lot of dirt. They just put dirt on people's faces. A lot of dirt. Yeah. So the design of Lincoln, and it did win Best Production Design. It should have won Best Cinematography, which went to fucking Life of Pi. More like Life of Jerking Me Off. Yeah. I would have given it to something else (laughs) With the master. I would Maybe, give it to the master. I mean, to me, this was is... Was Moneyball nominated that year? No, Moneyball's the previous year. Oh, fuck. I always think Moneyball's 2012. Okay. No, 2011. Um, no, to me, this is Yanush at his best. They're making the White House look like it would have looked, which is basically dark. Yeah. Uh, no lights. Shitty. Looks like my apartment. You have candles. <laughs> you have a few <laughs> gas lights. Yeah. And uh, apart from that, you better open them windows. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way. Yeah. Uh, cold. Yeah. <laughs> Are you the Secretary of State? Here's an old blanket you're going to need because it's fucking cold. <laughs> Draped in a man's <laughs> blanket. It's February in Washington, D.C., and they don't have any heat. This movie does have some amazing blanket work. It's got the best blankets in the goddamn world. Yeah. This is a A-plus number one blanket movie. Yeah. This is before they invented the sweater. Yeah. So it's just like, look. I got a blanket or I got nothing? I'd say this is the number one blanket movie of all time. Number two is probably Elmo and Grouchland, in which the blanket is the MacGuffin. You know, Elmo has to chase the blanket into Grouchland and then retrieve it. That's that's the sort of plot catalyst. Uh, number three blanket movie. Um, boy, well, it's tough. I mean, you count the Peanuts movie, you know, it certainly gets grandfathered sense. in there because of Linus. But, but on the other hand, they kind of give the blanket short change in that movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're only giving it because of the legacy of Peanuts, the strip and the specials, when the movie itself, in and of itself, if you'd only seen the Peanuts movie, would you think of that as a blanket movie primarily? Boy, that's a head scratcher. David is filing a piece. Yeah, basically. Sorry, I just got a weird question I have to answer. Uh, but go on. Uh, so Lincoln Great opens design. with, does it open with the dream? It does. Great dream. And I'll say this. Great looking dream. Oh. It looks like an 1890s, like, weird, like, uh, you it looks know. looks like a tin Nickelodeon. Type or something. Yeah, yeah like it a looks tin like a Nickelodeon. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where it's sort of like this, like, faded, Gauzy, weird image of blown him on out. a ship. Yeah, like, blown out whites and stuff. Uh, but it's all, like, it's, like, sepia tone. Uh, and it's him on a ship in his narration. Look at me, I'm Abraham Lincoln. Here I am on this ship. I think that's the opening line of the film, right? <laughs> yeah, Immediately. something like that. Tony Kushner. Well, you have to establish yeah. who it is and where they right. are. Yeah, here yeah, I Tony am. Kushner loves that, which yeah. is uh, every time anyone walks in, they're like, I'm Secretary of State Seward, <laughs> yeah. and I'm in the room now. Hello, everybody. My name is Abraham Lincoln. Here I am on a ship. Don't get worried. It's only a dream. Very soon, we'll cut to real life. And you go, ah, oh, the sounds of Kushner. Immediately. 
You got him in good hands, the hands of a master. Feed me the music of your words. Um, I think there has been a title card that says something along the lines of, like, it is 1865, Abraham Lincoln's just been reelected. Yeah. You know, the Civil War is in its last month. I think there's also... a blanket because it's very chilly. Oh, no, right. No, the first shot is of the... Is not the first shot of the Civil War, of a Civil War battle. Oh, you're right, It's these people just throwing down in the mud, bayoneting each other. It is gross. The dream comes, like, fucking eight minutes in. What the fuck are we talking about? the first scene is him talking to David Yellow and Coleman Domingo. Which rules. And we talked... We forgot fucking those two guys are in the movie. Look, there's a lot of good guys. All right, you want to just do the whole episode over? Okay, Great. yes. Right. So the movie starts with a title card that says, A DreamWorks slash Reliance slash 20th Century Fox production. And then it cuts to the war. Mm-hmm. And some really graphic, like, little little baby Saving Private Ryan stuff. People stomp each other's faces into Well, the I mean, mud. yeah. I mean, obviously, we, there's been many a Civil War movie, and mm-hmm. Spielberg's not making a Civil War movie, but he does want to remind you that, one, the Civil War was super gross. Yeah, it fucking sucked. It was not fun to be in. Yeah, like, blue. Um, because the part of the movie is, like, Lincoln is prolonging this war mm-hmm. so that he can achieve this goal. Yeah. And at this point, the war basically involves just like throwing people at each other or just bombing his own country. Yeah. You know, just to, to batter the South into submission. This was the first war where they used human catapults, right? To throw people at each other? Um, uh, yes, exactly. Yes. They would just throw, they would just put people into people yeah. catapults and just launch yeah. them at each other. And also the giant Acme uh, slingshots. Okay. Like Wile E. Coyote slingshot. Exactly. Where you, right, ben, you you're, yourself, you're a student of history, Ben. Yeah, no, this is all correct. And you're 100%. certainly a student of slingshots. Oh, I know all about the slings. Uh, that's I've right. Built yeah. a catapult. Uh, dirt bike Benny. Yeah. yeah. You built a catapult? Like, how big a catapult? <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past yeah, 100% young ben. believe it. Um, hey, this is also the first war to, like, use really, like, modern ammo and, and weapons. Yeah. Right, right. This is where it's starting to get, like, like easier to kill people. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking bad. You it doesn't to, take 10 right. minutes to yeah. reload. Right. Speaking They're of. They're not marching out, like. They people. have, like, gadling guns and all that. I mean, the South was sort of fighting almost like. I mean, this is going to be a little controversial, but oh, they were yeah. sort of doing terrorist tactics. For sure. I mean, you know? well, as, and the North were doing, you know, they were essentially arriving in cities and Yo, burning this, them. This shit the was ground. breezy, though. It was pretty crazy because it was all happening in America. <laughs> Wait, Ben, did you say crazy or greasy? Oh, at greasy, though. <laughs> it was a greasy goddamn war. But the other thing that first image is showing you is that a lot of the troops on the Northern side were black. Yes. And, uh, you know, they these were people who were, like, sacrificing their lives for their country. You know, and, like, and, but for what? Well, right, they, well, so, certainly, right, like, this is on right. Lincoln's mind as well. Like, yeah. you know, we it's can't like just end their the lives. war and be like, fine, South, you know, like, we get it. Right. You can keep some of your traditions or, yeah. you know, whatever. Right. So um, he's he's sitting. And uh, you don't see him for, I think, the first two or three minutes of the movie. Maybe see his back. Back of his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You see other people fighting, you see other people coming and talking to him. Yeah, he's sitting in the rain. Uh, so, I mean, okay, look, you know how people say things are folk, pe- pe- politicians are folksy. Yeah. And this is like, this is an era where politicians were really folksy. Actually folks. They were folksy people. Yeah. Not like pretend folksy no. billionaires who, you know, get up on stage and suddenly have a Southern accent or a Midwestern accent or whatever. Like, he was a folksy man, yes. Abraham Lincoln. He grew up in a folksy, uh, log, log cabin. cabin. He wore a goddamn stovepipe hat. He was like a lawyer back when lawyers made like, you know, four bucks a week yeah. or whatever, you know, like, and he was just like the town lawyer. Right. Uh, and- Law- lawyer, the visual, vi- God damn it. <laughs> Please. <clears throat> lawyer, the visual merchandiser of its day. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, boy. Wow. Let's try to make a joke about it. <laughs> no, no, thank you, thank you. Uh, and I- then- 
I just want to, uh, this is a guy who you cannot fucking ask him like what time it is yes. without him telling you about like an old lady in 1829 who, yes. you know, shirt brought her goat Mine's down the street. Day. Now here's where it gets complicated. <laughs> now, I, I, uh, he's like grandpa Simpson. Yes. The, the part of this film that I find most impressive is right at the moment where you're like, Jesus Christ, another story. The movie's like, we're fucking one step ahead of you. But we'll get to that scene when we get to that scene. Right. Um, so you're watching people kind of come up to Lincoln and try to tell them the story. It's almost like it's like a book signing, right, at Borders, where people are like waiting in line to come up and be like, hey, uh, so my, actually, you know my brother, my brother, uh, and he's like, right. oh, oh, great, thank you. so who should I make it out to? And it is a lot of that. It's like, yeah, no, we saw you, you know, yeah. this time, and he was like, uh-huh. Yeah, he's like, know. nice to meet you. It's like, actually, you met before, you know. But so there are two, essentially two pairs of people who are coming up to him in this scene. You've got David Yellowo and Coleman Domingo as two uh, Union soldiers. Later to co-star in Selma. Coleman Domingo, by the way, Great act. I mean, obviously, Yellow has become a huge star. Right. But Coleman but Domingo. Coleman awesome. Domingo is one of my top. Like everyone should know cool. who this guy Very is. Cool. Actors, dude. Uh, love him in, in crappy TV shows like Fear the Walking Dead. You know, is, is he on that? Yeah. Good reason oh. to keep up with that show. Oh, I like that show. Yeah. They're on boats in the water. True. Wet zombies. <laughs> <laughs> Playing a real scary zombie video game right now. Actually, it's real. Don't like it. It's actually alarming to me. I don't like it at all. Real tense. Resident Evil hey, 7. What's that behind you? Ah! Um, okay, so uh, Lincoln is talking to these guys, and Coleman Domingo is more being like, it's great to meet you. Thanks thanks so much for being president. And a yellow was kind of poking him. And a yellow was like, I don't know, man. Like, you actually going to get anything done here? Yeah, and he's quoting his speeches back to him. Yeah. He's like, remember when you said that? Where's that? When's that happening? And I love this scene yep. uh, as a setting up of the personality like Day-Lewis is inhabiting here, which mm-hmm. is like essentially Lincoln is taking things on board. He's not rebutting him exactly, but he's also not like apologizing or equivocating. He's sort of like, mm, yeah, you know, I understand. Like he's interested in a philosophical exchange, but he's not going to go too far. Like he has some persona built up around yes. him. And also talk about folksy. I think the first moment where the camera spins around and we actually see his face is him talking about how hard it is to cut his hair. Yeah. My last barber hanged himself. Hanged himself. They're, they're loving it. I mean, he's fucking killing. He's funny. He knows yeah. how to be funny. And Coleman Domingo's like, did did you get JFL new faces this year? Because that's like a tight, like a tight five. God. He never made a Lloyd team. He never made a Lloyd team, Lincoln. Never made a Lloyd team. Um, uh, and then two two honkies, he did do monologues at Ascot. Two Go real on. honkies yeah. ra- walk up there. Yes, uh, Lucas played Haas, by Dane DeHaan and Lucas Haas. Two of our best tired looking. Two of young our best actors. Uh, double A name, <laughs> right? Yeah. Dane DeHaan and Lucas Haas. Yeah, uh, DiCaprio's friend and the guy who everyone's decided has to be the next DiCaprio. <laughs> oh boy, and he boy is he not. Although but they got, decided. He's got two movies coming up this year. I'm going to see Cure for Wellness next week. We'll see. Gorverman cast. Yeah. We should do it. Um, yeah. Uh, and they come up and they just start reciting the Gettysburg Address. Yeah. So They're like mega know. fans. They're like the guy coming up to Shatner at the convention and being like, remember in episode 24, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what they are. They're Lincoln geeks. And he shoes them away. And then, of course, the yellow woe uh, kind of bigfoots them by at the end being like, I remember how the Gettysburg Address ends, by the way. P.S. Yeah. Hold on. Don't I think fucking I don't have know your fucking number. my shit. I was keeping it cool. I'm a fucking Lincoln geek, too. Now, this is a movie that doesn't have a lot of major black characters, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a lot of peripheral black characters, mm-hmm. but no, like, uh, you know, whatever. No yes. one on the sort of, the, the, the main characters in the movie are probably like Lincoln, Seward, 
Young, Thaddeus Young, right? You know, Thaddeus Stevenson. Mary Todd. Thaddeus Young's a power forward for the uh, Indiana Pacers. Yeah. Mary Todd, right. Yeah. So, like, and I feel like it came under some criticism at the time Uh for that, right? You know, you're making like another movie about uh, the American institution of slavery, a different angle on it, obviously, a totally political inside baseball politics, uh, you know, red tape angle. Right. Still. Uh, and it's about you know the the white people who did good. Well, that's the one thing I kind of like about. I think Kushner and Spielberg are trying to at least force some you know perspective in on the sidelines of this movie. Obviously, right. the people in Washington, you know, the people in Congress were white. I mean, this was a a racist society that did not sure. allow black people to vote. Right, and I was gonna say the one thing I kind of like about that scene in the middle uh, with, uh, with Stephen Henderson and Gloria Rubin, or which scene. The scene where Lincoln talks to Gloria Rubin outside. Oh yes, yes. The right, event. Right, right. I forget where they're. It was the earlier play it's, they're going to. Right. It's outside. No, isn't it at uh, Mary's party? Or I can't remember. It doesn't. I can't matter. remember. Yeah. But when he makes it clear that like it's not a personal stake thing for him, you know, in the same way it is for Thaddeus Stevens, certainly. Sure. It's just that he believes in like basic decency and human rights. Right. Um, I mean, I I think the movie does a good job of deflating that it isn't like, uh. Abraham Lincoln was like the woke president. Sure. But I it mean, was just like on a basic level, he was like, why should anyone have less rights than anyone there, else? Yeah, there's a lot of debate that still rages over, yeah, what were Lincoln's real politics? What were his he's on right. the record earlier in his career as saying things where he's like, I don't really care about slavery or like, right. you know, I don't care about these institutions. But also, like, you only have these sort of vague written records to go on. Right. And obviously, he was a politician who was, as you see in this movie, all these politicians are trying to navigate their stances in a changing. I mean, fucking Barack Obama was anti-gay marriage, like, right? You know, but until like 2012, right? Uh, you know, like or this movie's kind of about that. Of like, you That's have to choose saying. your battles. You have to pick the things you're going to fight. And in that scene, he sort of says, like, "Look, I'll be honest. With you, like on the level, I don't specifically care about black people, right?" Which is a kind of ballsy scene to put he's to a not, movie that's about Lincoln. He's not the someone slaves. who's right taking like the the like the American slaves on his back and is right. like, "I am your champion," right? But as Kushner has identified in mm-hmm. his you know million Lincoln biography mm-hmm. reading marathon, Lincoln did decide like no, we have to get the Thirteenth Amendment into the Constitution. Well, you misspoke. I, will, I think he decided now, now, now. Now, now, now. He yeah. was cloaked in immense, clothed in immense power, and yeah. he and a blanket and a, and a couple blankets. Let's be honest, right. blanket in every room, cloaked in immense Lincoln, blankets. chicken in every pot, blanket in every room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He he just he was he decided to spend all his political capital yeah. when he did not need to nope. and prolong the Civil War when mm-hmm. he did not have to mm-hmm. to do this and so there is certainly some thing to grab onto there which is yeah. you know this did this, this this was not inevitable it didn't have to happen and he did uh, put his weight behind it to yes. make it happen uh, I wish the and film- as you see when yes. Johnson's president after Lincoln dies things begin to fall away almost immediately it took a president who was. Uh, very forceful about these things. Yes. You know, things could have been settled into stasis much faster. I wish the character had more uh, black characters of consequence, and I wish the characters the character that were had. already were in the film uh, had more screen time. Yeah, because it's tough because you right. have these scenes where, like, I mean, that great scene where uh, Little Lincoln, what's his name? Gully McGrath. Talking about Tad. Uh, talking about Tad Lincoln, played by Gulliver McGrath. How do you know this, this little guy? I'll tell you how because he played the youngest son in Dark Shadows. Sure. And that was a movie where they did one of those marketing campaigns with individual character posters for every character. Uh-huh. And they went deep enough into the roster that Gully McGrath, who had never been in an American movie, got his own poster 
that said like Gully McGrath is, and then just a picture of his face and dark shadows. I remember seeing that and going like, okay, the individual character posters thing has gone too far because who's going to choose to see a movie because they're like, oh my god, Gully McGrath is right in dark shadows. Well, his mom saw it and she went. Yeah, she went. That's true. They got those ten dollars. Gully McGrath, G M G. Anyway, he's playing Tad and he asks. Uh, I believe asked Stephen Henderson's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me get that guy's name actually, because he's a real person. If he was a slave, if he was a slave, right. uh, because Gully McGrath, Jesus, Tad <laughs> has become obsessed with these uh, daguerreotypes. What do you call them? Uh, are, uh, you know, the little oh, plates they yeah. call them yes. of, of slaves. Yes, uh, it's like whatever. He's taken some sort of weird personal childish interest in this. Like you might look. He's at also up. very invested in the Confederate War. I mean, he's wearing the the. Uniform all the time. He's like going around his makeshift little like uh, his wagon. Like he's he's fucking he's he's caught up in the in he's the dressing as the events of the day. Uniform. And so he asks uh, William Slade, that was mm-hmm. who was Lincoln's valet. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you were you a slave? And Slade says, No, I was. Free know, I was born free. And yeah, mm-hmm. and you're he, and for one, Stephen Henderson. What a fucking who guy. is incredible. Great in fences. This yes. last year. And, great in Tower Heist six years ago. I, Great in Manchester by the Sea in oh, one scene. What a good one fucking scene? one scene performance. Yeah, great one Literally scene one shot. I believe that scene is a one Yeah, it might be. I mean, yeah. Might, you know, yeah, whatever. They might you know, switch back and forth. They might do a little covering. Um, over the shoulder, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Ooh, I might do a little bit uh, over and the shoulder. And you want more of that. But, you, you know, so, yes, you want more of that. And yeah. then, of course, Gloria Rubin comes in as you could ask her. She was a slave. And yeah. she says, like, offhandedly, like, oh, I was beaten with a fire shovel before, you know, right. I was fucking five years old, right. you little twerp. Right. You wish she the movie nice spent a little more time from the perspective of the people who are most at risk sure. within this but narrative. but of course, this was a country that yeah. spent no time with these people. Right. You know. But I also, I give the movie credit for, I think, going out of its way to time. deflate the white savior button. I think like, so, Even though too. it's about the white people, they make it clear that Lincoln's not just some fucking, oh. like, selfless hero. Want to get this on the record? We're all uh, a bunch of white idiots. Yeah, we're a bunch of white dummies and yeah, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. I don't know if you agree. About. Oh, yeah, yeah, white cis dummies in a small yeah. room talking right. about Small yeah. white it's very room. white. Uh, it's a white room. One of the whitest rooms. Um, yeah. So, Linky. Linky. Uh, so, Linky has, but oh, the other thing I wanted to say is like, every scene, you're kind of like, oh, I want a little more of this. You yeah. know, Every, there's so many little narrative directions you could spin off into. Oh, it's also just, the dialogue is so fucking rich in this movie. It's like such a like, um, I'll admit I so I, I saw this movie uh, in theaters when it came out. I kind of put off seeing it in the Oscar season because it was a broccoli movie, right? And I finally was like, okay, free day, movie's long. I'm gonna go see it now. And I went to go see it at Lincoln Square, and like 45 minutes in, the projector broke. Oh man, interesting. And they were like, yeah, we're not gonna get it back up. It was in the big screen at Lincoln Square. And they were like, yeah, it's done. Here's your vouchers. You can go see it another day. Right. And it was tough to then be like, fuck, I already watched the first 40 minutes. Like, how am I going to go see it again? So I put off seeing it for a while. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, finally saw it in theaters later. But I, I've always, uh, and, and watching it last night at home, uh, always had a hard time staying awake during this movie. Interesting. Not because I think it's boring. Because I actually think the movie is very calming. It is calming. Like the That's language true. is so like musical. It is a tranquil movie, yeah. and it's got this like this kind of very calm like brownish color palette, you okay. know. Okay. Um, but it is you can just kind of like lie back in the language of this movie and just be like, ah, this is a time when everyone spoke well, you know. Mm-hmm. But also, it's Tony Kush, so. right? It's yeah. Tony Kush writing a time when everyone spoke well. That so drink, it's that like, dank Kush. They got that dank Kush. Hindu Kush. Um. 
we go from the scene where he's talking to all his to Lincoln his fans to his dream. Now he's on the ship, and now he goes, "Hi, I'm Abraham Lincoln. Right, I want right, a ship. This is a dream." This bit. And then to him in his bedroom yeah. with Mary Todd talking about his dream. I think uh, Sally Field's performance does not get enough credit in this movie. Fantastic. She got an Oscar nomination. She did. But this is a really fucking she committed lost performance. To Anne Hathaway. Yeah. I mean, Sally Field has two Oscars, so I don't know if she was ever. They weren't going to give her a third. But um, it's an excellent performance. Yes. Uh, it's very. Uh, it's unsettling. Like, you yeah. know, or whatever. She's she's unsettling. She's playing a, a woman struggling with mania. Yeah. And, you know, struggling with probably what, you know, would bipolar just disorder. Maybe, but certainly yeah. depression, you yes. know, and yes. who had lost a child and, yeah. you know. Uh, but she's, you know, she's a hotly struggled with the the spotlight of yes. being first lady. She's a hotly contested figure in history. There are a lot of different theories about her and about the nature of their marriage and all these different things. And so she has to play this sort of fulcrum point about all the questions in Lincoln's personal life. You know, right. all the things that were kind of kept at bay. And uh, from like the first frame of her turning around, you're like, oh, this is a haunted fucking woman holding on by her fingernails. You know, right? Um, Definitely, yeah. Um, without overplaying it, it's like this performance. It's, it's like a physically palpable. It is sort of, and also you only fragility. She, well, she has the one scene, obviously at the party. Yes, which is another good scene where she is kind of talking too long to, to Tommy Lee Jones to, to to Thaddeus Stevens, right? And Thaddeus Stevens is just kind of like nodding and grinning and being like, "Oh, here's the Mary Todd Lincoln I know so well." Essentially, right. you know, like. She's kind of playing into his image of her. It's the Ronnie Blakely in Nashville scene where she can't stop doing the introduction. Oh my god! And uh, but mostly her scenes are just confined to the bedrooms, or mm-hmm. you know, right? Like she does, she feels kind of locked the in private life. She has that final scene, I guess, in the where they're in the carriage. Yeah, she, you know, she's occasionally outside, but usually yeah. it just sort of feels like she's cooped up, and like that's not helping anyone. Yeah, it's cold. And her husband's fucking hard to read. Like she's losing her mind, and he's just like, "Well, reminds me of a time." You know? Right. Yeah, no, he's, well, and he locks it all away. And of course, there's that one scene where he's like, look, I don't like that my kid's dead either, by the way. He unlocks the emotional gates. Right. He does. He yeah. does. And but then he locks them again. He locks the gates. He doesn't talk like that. Yeah. Locks the gates. So who are your presidents? <laughs> Poke. <laughs> I remember uh, I, I used to work the door at uh, Congress. <laughs> And Garfield came in. I got caught up with his crew. That was bad. <laughs> okay. Start doing speedballs with Garfield. So slid into my DMs like Giffield. Okay. So this is second bits on bits, baby. I hate it. Uh, so this is um, a, a vignette movie. <laughs> Would you not agree? <laughs> Would agree. That's what I'm talking about. I don't mean this in any no, no, sort of no, you, negative way. We, it's such a it weirdly structured movie. No, it is. Oh, my God. It's great, though. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, but it's ballsy to be like... There's no... Yeah, there's no sense of straightforward progression. No. Lincoln says to William Seward, played by David S. David Strathairn. David Strathairn. The only He's thing... so good. The only thing more enjoyable than watching one of his performances is saying his last name. Strathairn. Strathairn. I always feel good when I say his last name. If, if Strathairn. If Tommy Lee Jones wasn't in this movie and Strathairn had maybe one more scene, yeah. I think he could have been an Oscar nominee. Yeah. He's so good Yeah, in this movie. Yeah, I mean, probably his best performance since the Spiderwick Chronicles. I would say. <laughs> Fuck off. You piece of shit. He's great in the Spiderwick I have not, not seen the Spiderwick Chronicles. I haven't Chronicles. either. <laughs> uh, so William Seward. 
his secretary of state. Yeah. He's like, man, man, Linky, yeah. you sure you want a 13th Amendment? We could yeah. end the war. We can do one or the other. Yeah. And Lincoln's like, well, you, know, yeah. you know, he's he's so noncommittal even. Yeah. And then finally, he's like, what what if I could get you an amendment that does both? <laughs> finally, he gets his whole secretary, uh, his whole cabinet together. Yeah. And they're all like, eh, I don't know. Like, should we do this? Should we do that? Including like, Jeremy Strong from the oh, judge. You want me to go through? You want me yeah. to go through? Let's the talk about this cabinet. Bruce McGill. Oh, the great Bruce McGill. With the biggest beard you ever did see. Yeah. The Secretary of War Stanton. Big beard, big man. Who's mostly, like, he's got that great scene where he's like, all right, so we're shelling Wilming- Wilmington. Yeah. And Abraham Lincoln's like, oh, two mice fell into a bucket of milk. And he's like, no, no, you're not going to do another one of these. Right. I was going to say, that's my favorite moment in the movie. I love that. Because at that point, we're like 40. He's like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. The movie's been going on for an hour, and 45 minutes of those have been comprised of just three different stories. <laughs> and he's just like, I can't fucking deal with I just with love it. the image of someone yelling at Abraham Lincoln, essentially, yeah. like, shut up, you yeah. gas bag, you yeah. know, like, yeah. stop it with this. That is one of the funniest moments I've ever seen in a drama. It is very funny. Also, Bruce McGill, uh, he brings it. Yeah. Bruce McGill, what did we just see him in where he plays, oh, he's in Elizabethtown. Oh, right. As like the guy where they're like, Bruce McGill, don't let him near you. Yeah. That it, man has poison coming out yeah. of his pores. And then he shows up and he's like, where's the ketchup? Yeah, right, um, Bruce McGill, uh, also uh, D-Day from uh, Animal House. Uh, yes. It's yeah. just, all, I always find that so fascinating because he's like so fully reinvented himself as a rotund character actor. Yeah. That's hard to remember that like that's where he started. I love Brucey. Love him. Uh, yeah, he, you know, what's he in black? He usually plays like a cop or a, he's in Matchstick Man, he's yeah. the guy they're conning. All right, so um, Joseph Cross. Yes. Love Joseph Cross. He'd been in Milk a couple years earlier. He's years wide ago. awake in this movie. I got to say, he's giving. John Hay. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Well, yeah, of course. A wide he's, awake performance. He's the wide awake boy, as we, uh, we all know. Remember that time he was sleeping? He's doing the thing again. <laughs> he, was doing the thing again. <laughs> he, could, he couldn't even wake up in the movie's called Wide Awake. Great. Um, Jeremy Strong. As you mentioned, right. from uh, the judge, right? And what else is he in? He's uh, in. He's he was in, in Big Selma. Short. He's he was in, in Big Selma. Short. Yeah, he's a good character. Uh, who else? You got Dakin Matthews, who's also going to be in Bridge of Spies, mm-hmm. who is Headmaster Charleston in Gilmore Girls. Uh-huh. He's who's uh, he's an asshole in both this and Bridge of Spies. In Bridge of Spies, he's the judge. Okay, you remember the judge who's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I know you're supposed to be this lawyer or whatever, yeah. but stop being a lawyer, you what a jerk. Good Let's talk about Bridge of Spies. Great. Yeah. Um, great cabinet. And they agree, all right, 13th Amendment, fine. Yeah. So then Lincoln goes to the conservative Republicans, mm-hmm. led by one of the the bleariest-eyed, <laughs> what, right? Like the most wet-eyed actor there is in Hollywood today, Hal Holbrook. Yes. Is there anyone with wetter eyes than Hal Holbrook? Can I say something that might come off as <laughs> like, insensitive? Hal Holbrook could play an old bloodhound in a movie- <laughs> Like, without any makeup. You'd be like, oh, it's an old bloodhound. Oh, wait, actually, now they're closer. That's Hal Holbrook. Disney should do a live-action remake of Fox and the Hound with Hal Holbrook. Um, <laughs> what were you going to say that's controversial? I, 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 not controversial, but insensitive. Uh-huh. I can't believe that guy's still fucking alive. It is crazy. How old is Hal? I think he's like 93 at this point, maybe. He is 91 years old. Hal Holbrook looks like someone who ran for like president in like 1956. Like for the he got the Democratic nomination, he lost, yeah. you know, by like eighty points. What's also and he was like, oh, you know, back in my day, we were all for you know mailboxes. <laughs> you know, sort of he get, he got nominated for Into the Wild when he was like, <laughs> I won Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, where are you from? 
He gets his first Oscar nomination for Into the Wild when he's like 82. He's like 82. He's amazing. And everyone was like, that's nice they gave him one before he died. And then like this comes out like five or six years later. And and also Promised Land came out the same year. He had like two choice supporting performances Mm -hmm. in movies. And you're like, wow, like Hal Holbrook looks like he doesn't have that much time left. And now it's like fucking five years later. We still still got Hal Holbrook. Don't be an ageist. Old people can act. He can certainly act. He can act the pants off anybody. Yeah. And if if he's got wet eyes, that's okay. Yeah, he's got wet ass (sighs) eyes. There's some wet eyes. Um. So you got Hal Holbrook, and mm-hmm. he's like, I don't know, us conservative Republicans, we just kind of want things to stay the way they are. So and got then, him to deal with. Uh, what's his name? Plays his daughter, uh, the mom from Transformers. Oh, uh, Gene Smart, who's great. Uh, is it, not, no, it's not, not Gene, Gene Smart. Smart. Uh, it's Jesus. Uh, uh, Julie. Uh, Julie White. There Julie we go. White. Julie there White. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Um. So they're kind of like he's Lincoln is in, looking at all. We're taking in all his obstructions, mm-hmm. right? Yes. His obviously the next obstruction is you got Jackie Earl Haley mm-hmm. as the my vice. bad guy. Yeah, now you've worked with Jackie. My Earl Haley. little bad guy. How do you guy. think Jackie Earl Haley feels about where they're like they call him on the phone and he's like, "You're making a Lincoln movie. Let me guess. Let me guess what part you've got for me. Let me guess. Is he in the Confederate <laughs> States of America? Guess number one. Is he a little weasel? Yeah. He's playing Alexander Stevens. Uh-huh. Vice President of the Confederacy, yeah. who's trying to negotiate peace. What a good introduction he gets. Yes! It's like he gets such a Spielberg introduction where it's like, oh man, they're like introducing him with power to let you know this is a fucking bad dude. He, but, see, so did you meet Jack Hero Haley yes. when you made, like, does he, is he just like, he's hey, one of the man, nicest people I've I'm ever I'm a working met. actor, yes. it's great to play villains, yes. like, that's my niche in Hollywood, cool, cool, cool. Or does he have any kind of hint to like, Yep, they called me for old, you know, freak face, yeah, right? Like, that's who they, they thought of, Jackie Earl. Look, we didn't have a conversation which he said the words, they call me old freak face. <laughs> well, I call him old freak face. But, but, Jackie Earl Hill, you said the scariest IMDb picture ever. <laughs> I was frightened of it. With the glasses and the ghost Yes. Thing? Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Now he looks a little more yeah. classic. Uh, he, he is truly one of the loveliest people I've ever met. That's great. I love Jackie And he's, he's very soft-spoken and very um, sort of introspective, but very kind. That's good. Um, I, I, you know, he strikes me as the thing that I respect the most, which is just like, a, a fucking roll up your sleeves. Sure. Here we are. What's the script? Actor. What's the role? Like he just this fucking is all very professional. does the work. And I think uh, he, I mean, you look at how much fucking different work he's done. I think he gets cast a lot as a weaselly villains or psychopaths or whatever. Right. Because a lot of actors are too protective of their image to want to fully yes, go for it. Yes, of course, it. right. And, if, and and whereas Jackie Earl, that's his image. Right. Yeah. And you look at something like Little Children, and like very few people would have the courage to play a role like that with that much empathy yeah. for a guy who's struggling while simultaneously being monstrous. Right. And so I think he has just not fought against that image yeah. and allows himself to play that. Also plays a variety of other roles. Yeah. Um, Love you, Jackie Earl. But he's certainly typecast in this. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Okay. Love and Jackie. Can't wait to punch him in the face. So in and then we've in Congress on we, camera to be in clear, Congress, not off camera. We've got yeah, the Democrats led by yeah. Peter McRobbie. Yeah. I shouted out already. Diaper man from the visit. <laughs> yeah. Who plays a, a big poopy diaper of a man yeah. in this movie? Right. Talk of being typecast. That's a guy who every time they call him up, he goes, "Let me guess. I'm gonna throw a poopy diaper <laughs> in someone's face." Let me. Is it, you got a 14 year old? You want me to diaper yeah. diaper face? All right. And then Lee Pace as Fernando Wood, former mayor of New York. Very handsome man. Lee Pace, very handsome, who plays, I mean, I think his first scene, he essentially is uh, saying words that I can't say on this podcast. Yep. Uh, To Congress. He's shouting them to the assembled congressmen. That's a weird part of this movie that almost makes it feel like uh, um, 
especially now, like at the time this movie came out, Obama was in office. It felt like it was kind of like, okay, here's a pat yourself on the back movie about like, look how far we've come. Yeah. And now the movie, which is a period film, feels like some weird, like some uh, thing to aim for. It's like a John Carpenter, like this is where we may be in 10 years movie. Right, right. Where in the Senate, they're just like openly like dropping Mm -hmm. N-bombs. It's very, it's very unsettling to see. Uh, people uh, throw those words around so casually with no guilt whatsoever just to be like, today I ordered a sandwich. You know, they're just like yeah. saying things. Uh, just want to shout out a few other congressmen. Michael Stolbarg. Oh, the great Michael uh, George Eamon. I want to point out, when you Google any of the um, the congressmen these people are playing, the facial hair, they always got it exact. Like you're looking at Stolbarg, you're like, really all chin, yeah. all the way to the cheekbones, yeah. and nothing else. You yeah. look at the, you're like, yeah, that's that's what that guy went for. Yeah, this like, movie should have won a fucking Oscar. It was hard to shave. Yeah, you didn't have an electric <laughs> yeah. razor or just disposable. Let it go. You know, because well, you want to eat sandwiches. Yeah. You don't want to get food in your you face. Want, well, I mean, sandwiches didn't really exist. We want to eat like stews. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of broth. a lot of stews. <laughs> a lot of broths. Oh, for sure. Can I tell you what I would rock in this time, in this day and age, talking about this this conflict? I would go. A a chin strap, ZZ Top beard. Hell yeah! You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. for sure. So no yeah, mustache, yeah, yeah. so your, your mouth is open. But just all the way big, down, basically all the way yeah. down to the belly button. I would just chop the fuck out of my face, just so fucking chopped up. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Lightning bolts in your sideburns. Hell yeah! Uh, you've got <laughs> wait. Uh, oh, Steven Spinella, right? Steven Spinella. Yeah. As uh, Asa Litton. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so you got some congressmen. Murders row. Then you've got. Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. Thaddeus Stevens. Big TLJ. Yeah. Not The Last Jedi. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Uh, as Thaddeus Stevens, who is like the leader of the radical Republicans, who are basically right. like, once we be, you know, once we get the South, let's seize all the land and give it to black people. Yeah. You know, like essentially people who are like, let's have reparations, you know, when this is over. Yeah. They declared war on us. They should be punished. Right. Which is not what happened. But let's let's not forget Thaddeus Stevens biggest accomplishment his most lasting legacy which is being the man who makes john travolta think that his wig collection is naturalistic (laughs) now tommy lee jones what's his hair situation in real life because famously when he won the oscar for the fugitive in 1994 the beginning of 94 q ball he was bald and he his first line upon getting the oscar was like i'm not bald this is for a role right um but in this movie he's bald Correct. In a lot of other movies, he's been bald. Yeah. Uh, he's a man with... TLJ bald? No, he's a man with very thin hair. I mean, I think what you see him have in... Uh, uh, well, wasn't it something this year? Um, uh, oh, well, the thing I'm fucking thinking of is criminal, but Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he's got a far back hairline and very thin hair. Yeah. And he sort of swoops it over back into the side. And I think that's his real hair. And I think uh, he is just uh, comfortable shaving his head entirely. Tommy Lee Jones basically looked like this. Have you ever seen Coal Miner's Daughter, which is like one of his early roles? I've never seen that, no. Great movie. Yeah. Basically looks like Thaddeus Stevens in Coal Miner's Daughter. Like he's an old craggy man. He yeah. always has been. He's got a lot of character in his face. I'll say watching this movie. I would say that he has, what's like a big, he's got the entire cast of Nashville to shout that bag in his face. That's how many characters are in there. He's got <laughs> shortcuts in his face, right? 
You're saying he's got an Altman kaleidoscopic yeah, ensemble an, picture. Yeah, he's got a prairie home companion entirely within his face right, right now. He's got a Pret-a-Porter underneath each eye. If he just like cocks an eyebrow, you're like, oh, this, I just got told a whole story, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. what a face. Yeah. this The face on this man. He should have won the Oscar. God damn it. No, yes. he shouldn't have. Philip Seymour Hoffman should have won the Oscar. Oh, he's so good. He's It's tough because both Philip Seymour Hoffman and Christoph Waltz, who were both nominated that year. Yeah. You're right, Philip Seymour Hoffman. This was winner. notably the year. We're both kind of quasi leads, but like yes. not quite in their movies. You know, like dominant, but not in all of the movie, if yeah. that makes sense. But I think that's Fisai's number one best performance. And yeah, now we know that it's his, like maybe, the last time he was going right to work. Right up there. Synecdoche and, and The Master are the two for me. Oh, he's so good in The Master. Yeah. I, but put it this way, and I love, I think Christoph Waltz is a lot of fun in Django Unchained. I think I he's great. I don't think he should have won another no. Oscar. Well, let's talk about it. That's the weird year. Where, where everyone was a winner. All five nominees had already won once who were the others? or twice before. Uh, De Niro, who had won twice, was nominated for Silver Linings Playbook. Right, he wasn't going to win. Jones, who had won once, was nominated for Lincoln. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman for The Master. Yeah. Chris Waltz, Django Unchained. And then the fifth person would have been Alan Arkin for uh, yeah, Argo. Yeah, for Argo. Go fuck yourself. Right. Argo, go fuck yourself. Right. They should have nominated John Goodman. Yeah, they should have. If they were going to nominate John Goodman's never going to fucking nominate. How's that outrageous. possible? It's outrageous. I mean, look, Arkin's fun in Argo. He's fun. Yeah, he's fun. It's not a great performance. Alan, more like Alan Argo. More like Alan Argo. He's fun in that movie. He's fun. He's having a good time. He's having a great time. I think he's really fun. That's not like a great performance. No. It's him showing up and like, he's as yeah. good in that as he is in Get Smart. He's yeah. fun in Get Smart. He's he's an ornery old man. He's a consistent actor. Yeah, he's, he, he is. He always shows up, he does his job well. I agree. <laughs> anyway, I love TLJ in this movie. Yeah. How can I hold that all men are created equal where here before me stands stinking the moral carcass of the gentleman from Ohio, proof that some men are inferior, endowed by their maker with dim wits, impermeable to reason, with cold, cold pallid slime in their veins instead of hot red blood? You are more reptile than man, George, so low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. <laughs> that is the greatest line yeah, he drop. will ever deliver. Right. I was going to say, this <laughs> came He literally calls someone a lizard <laughs> person on the floor of the House of Representatives. This movie's essentially, what if Tommy Lee Jones did Jeff Ross's roast battle? <laughs> <laughs> and he fucking wins. You know? He beats Mike Lawrence handily. Um, I, uh, I swear to What God. was I going to say? Oh, the thought I kept having watching this movie is... God, I wish Tommy Lee Jones did more 3D films because that's a face you built want, for 3D. You want to live in the... What about like an inner space film, but they don't go into Tommy Lee Jones. They just go in the crags. They go in the crags. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like they're climbing Mount Rushmore, yeah. but it's just his craggy face. Just underneath one of the eye bags. So you got all Cragface McGee. And Cragface, they have to... One of our finest to... living actors. Cragface Crag McGee. Face, the problem Academy is Academy not... Award winner Cragface McGee. <laughs> the problem is not that he wants to... Um, uh, stop the Absolutely 13th not. Amendment. He wants to go further. Yep. And he's on the record, and Congress is saying, uh, I don't just believe in abolishing slavery. I believe in racial equality. He's you like know, the think, Bernie Sanders of his time. Sure. Tear it all down. Um, and so. Lincoln's like, too much, too fast. Well, Lincoln just, you know, Lincoln's kind of staying out of it the whole time. Sure. But, uh, but you know, yeah, everyone else is kind of like, look, fucking hell, one thing at a time or whatever. Right. Uh, he's the character I would. I'd say probably a lot of people watching the movie, yeah, like you say, identify with because you're like, you know, you're someone with more of a 20th 
yeah, century it's got outlook a modern on perspective. things. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, so his great moment is that he has to go before Congress and sort of, kind of like he's like, yeah, no, thirteen minutes fine. Like you know, right? He has to sort of like whisper it under his breath, like yeah. be like, I don't believe in racial equality. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then everyone's like, Why'd you do that? And he's like, You know, we got to do it. Like our president. Has yeah. asked us to pass the 13th Amendment, so we got to do it. He starts heckling. He does some amazing crowd work. He bites he, back at the audience. Oh, I mean, he's Todd Barry-level crowd work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just him riffing. Yes. He's just riffing. That's just, just riffing. But you know what? The top of the dome. You guys can tell me what. Never made a Lloyd team. Never made a Lloyd team. Did mod. Yeah, he did mod. He did, did mod good, for really mod strong character and sketch work. Yes. All right, yeah. so there are your obstacles, right? Yeah. And then you bring in the wrecking crew. Oh, my God. They start to, you know, promise some jobs to outgoing Democrats. Right. Lincoln starts going like, look, I need to ensure that I get enough votes. Because yeah. if I put this thing up and it fails, we're all in a lot of trouble. Yeah. If we're putting it out there, it's got to pass, baby. Right. And obviously, he has to, it has to pass by two-thirds. It can yes. pass, but it has to pass by a supermajority. Right. So they hire these guys who he's not supposed to directly talk to. So right. he has a culpable, you know, a plausible deniability, yes. rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... And they go out and just start, go out, start having fun. Start bugging people. I mean, this part of the movie is just fun. It is. It's fun. I mean, and it's. I think that's one thing that attracted Spielberg and Kushner to the material, right? It's yeah. like nobody knows like how dirty and silly like so much of 19th century politics was. Because, I mean, there's no phones. There's no constituents. Right. You just go to like a hog farm. Yeah. And, you know, some hog farm is like, I'm the congressman from Ohio. And you're like... All right, Jesus, what do you want? You want this bag of feed? You know, like I mean, these guys didn't have toilet paper or toilets. That is very they true. They were pooping yeah. it in a pot they put under their bed. And then they would dump it out the window. I mean, it is kind of crazy. And then they would sign that. some shit that, like, has <laughs> that affected the country yeah. forever. Yeah. That is still in the Constitution. Yeah, yeah. And they might not have washed yeah. their hands. We don't know. Yeah, meanwhile, they still got mud in their butt crack. <laughs> did they, what, what did they do? Did they have, like, water? What did they do? What was their situation? They well, pour a bottle of Evian on their butt. They would use their hands. Hey, man. And that's why, you know, you, you, would, uh, you would not use your dominant hand because that's the hand you would eat with and shit, too. Right, because there's lots so of cultures. you had a poopy hand. And there's then lots of cultures, right, where it's hands. like if you, like, reach yeah. out with your left hand or whatever to shake someone's hand, they're like, hey, wait yeah. a second. Get that thing away from now, me. Now, Ben, you're on the record as being a huge fan of old technology in films. Oh, absolutely. How do you feel about this film's approach to shitting? Uh, well, they shitting? don't they don't explore it enough sure. for me to really sink my teeth into it. Sure. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna go ahead and say I feel the stink. Yeah, it's yeah. a stinky movie. You know, yeah. I feel the stink in the rooms. Yes, yeah. I really do. So, yeah, I think they do a good job there. Um, I love also love, great horsework. Oh, a hundred percent, and great telegram work. Oh, absolutely, great telegram work. Too many driver. Good tapping. Yeah, they tap away in this movie. Um, I love the moment in that sort of montage where they play some jaunty music yeah, yeah. and the wrecking crew goes out. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, when they literally run into the guy at the bank. Right. And then are like, oh, look at all this money. Can you just hold this money for a second? <laughs> like that it's that blatant. Hey, man. But I do like because it's so easy to look at Lincoln now and just be like, great president did that. Great thing was such a great man. And it was like, uh, wow, wow. Oh, I long for a time where politics were like that. And it's like politics were always dirty. Always right. dirty. Well, you always got to play dirty to get something good there, done. There's that scene right in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Where he Lincoln suddenly monologues about like, look. My Emancipation Proclamation was kind of like a war thing. Yeah. It didn't make ton of constitutional sense. You know, like, all these things we're doing, I feel like they're the right thing to do for the country. Yeah. 
but it's going to kind of going to have to get sorted out in the courts later and a lot of it might be deemed illegal. Well, but, that whole like this speech, is what yeah. we do. His whole metaphor, I forget what his metaphor is. He has some like story the, that he's done. the lawyer, the woman. Oh, it's when he lets right. the woman out of the back door so she can just run away right. rather because she hit her husband. <laughs> right. It's good. It's right, a good story. but he put it in the will. <laughs> you no, know, in the he, will he right. said I suspect she has killed me or right. whatever and if I come back I will have my revenge or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So. And that's like that story is like a fucking like 8 minute like wonder. <laughs> Dan Lewis, good actor, is. I mean, we really should call him Mr. Lincoln. Mr. Lincoln, his honorable self. Uh huh. Dan Lewis is is uh, one of my favorite actors, and it feels like such a really wow bullshit yeah. dumb thing to say, but it's true. Yeah, I love him so much in this movie. Yeah. Do you know people don't He's talk great. about enough with him? What, they, how like, good he is? Yeah. Well, they focus on the chameleon thing, right? They focus on that he's a cobbler. He's a, yeah. You right. Know. And that and he's close friends with Ben. <laughs> Ben's the one who always has to talk him off the bench to make another movie. That. Like for the Ballad of Jack and Rose, he actually wrote a whole ballad. <laughs> <laughs> My Beautiful Laundrette, he actually yeah. opened a laundrette. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, for... Uh, <laughs> For the boxer, he spent years folding and taping up cardboard boxes. And then he realized it was about boxing, so yeah. then he had to go be Start a boxer. Start over, they delayed the movie for five the years. the age of innocence, he literally became completely innocent. Yes. He Amazing. actually just yeah. went into the Mississippi River and floated for a while. Yes. In the unbearable lightness of being, he became so light that he floated above the air. What am I talking about? I mean, the craziest one, for the for the movie Nine, he took 42 years off of his age. And, and for, <laughs> he killed and, all the last Mohicans so he could be the only one. Yeah. That is true. And for Room with a view, he literally moved in his house so the A room with a better view. He used to live in the basement. <laughs> yeah. He like, I go upstairs. He's like, I need a room with a view. I'm moving on up. All right, that's enough of that. Um, I think that I think people don't talk about enough. Dude is so fucking charismatic. And when you think about charismatic actors, you're he like, is very charismatic. Tom Cruise, charismatic in all movies, he yeah, plays but he's himself. He's playing someone who's charismatic in an unusual way. Right. Right. But you look at like fucking Daniel Plainview and Lincoln, the thing that both of them have is just like there's something charismatic about them. When they start talking, you got to listen. Right. And those are two guys on total fucking opposite ends of the spectrum. Like when Dan Lewis launches into a long story, you just kind of lean yeah, in. You and lean you go in. Like, you can't wait. It's yeah. like you're by a fire. Yeah. Where, yeah, whereas Daniel Plainview starts talking, you're like, is this man literally about to murder me? Right. Or is his head going to explode scanner style? Yeah. I mean, scary. Yeah. He also, I feel like he doesn't take me out of the, the period. No, no. as like other actors, yeah, it's sort it seems, of like, seems, oh, it's that guy with like right. a dumb well, that's fucking stovepipe yeah. hat. Right. If you yeah. see someone playing Abraham Lincoln, you're probably going to think like, there's Ben Hosley as Abraham Lincoln. Like, I, I don't really think that's well, Abraham that's Lincoln. that's not true. Ben really blended into that role. I'm going to say it's true. Jesus Christ. Blind, blind. What was the word I was looking for? I have no idea. I don't know. Um, bended in? Yeah, bended into Yeah, he home. did bend it like Beckham. Yeah. Um, so we we should we should uh, just, yeah, is there other stuff you guys like? What do you guys like? We've talked about a lot of things. Oh, the, the point I was going to make was I like that people want to sort of uh, uh, honeycoat the past and be like, politics used to be pure. And it's like, they're always fucking bad. Yep. You know? Sure. And you always had to do bad things to do great things. And right. And what he did was he, like, that's the thing. We, we focus on these moments because he actually accomplished something right. of measurable value. Right. Like to today. Yes. He, he made something so important that Ava DuVernay made a whole documentary about it just yes. last year. Yes. Um, whereas, you know, yeah, and that's what's what we latch onto and say, yeah. like, oh, what a great man. Right. And it's more like, no, but like, you know, he there's a fucking nail in the wall you can't right. get out. And at the time the movie came out, it was like, oh my God, you watch this movie and then here we are today. We have a black present. That's unbelievable. Well, right. And then you watch the movie present day and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, why can't we have a Lincoln in the world? 
Yeah. Well, let's talk about the uh, the Spader performance. He is such a bad motherfucker. He's a bad. <laughs> he's so good. Yeah, he's like the shaft of this movie. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I love the like, fucking the walnut great. business. The walnut good. The walnut bit's good. There are these moments where Lincoln has to actually descend into the muck, right? Yeah. Right. Usually he's but like there's the one scene where he talks to the congressman who lost, uh, lost boys. Not not the movie The Lost Boys, but yeah. he lost his sons into the war. Yes. And he's trying to convince uh, this what's guy. What's his name? He's a good actor. I'm fucking forgetting now. Anyway, uh, yes. Oh, shit. I, I'm not sure. He's a really good character. Uh, yeah, David Warshawski. Yeah. Something like that. Um, the ginger man, pockmarked face, good character actor. Yeah, and he's saying to him, like, will you vote for the bill? And the guy's sort of saying, like, I, I really hate this. I hate black people. Yeah. And, like, I hate this. He's war. like, I'm going to be honest with you. Don't right. like him. Never will. And Lincoln... Does not say, oh, you're awful. Neither does he say, come on, do yeah. it for me, yeah. AB. Yeah. He's just kind of like, okay, like, I understand that you've suffered a great loss. Like, I've done what I can do. Right. And then when you, when that guy votes no, he does vote no in the, in the final roll call scene. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. You just have more yeah. to that. Yeah, you care about. I mean, as you, you have do with all the other You don't care about them, but as you, you care like, about what's at stake exactly, and you know as who you everyone do with is. Like, you know, uh, Steven Spinella or mm-hmm. Michael Stuhlbarg or all those people. Yeah. Um, and then there's the scene where he meets with Spady. Yeah. Where Spady says, I, well, I'll be fucked. Drain the swamp. This guy steps into the swamp. He does. Knee deep. Oof. Uh, and that's, that's, again, it's like, you know, you it, see like how, how far he had to sort of put his political life yeah. on the line, like yeah. just to to get this over the edge. And we should mention he's playing votes. he's playing a lobbyist. He's playing a very early version of a lobbyist. And I mean yeah. I, I mean what a representation of what they continue to be which yes. are fucking awful monsters that are somehow integrated in our fucking political system. Yeah, these fucking walnut smashing assholes. Walnut smashing. Still to this day. Still to this right day. Right to your congressmen and senators, folks. Yeah, you Complain. know what? Yeah. Send them a broken walnut in the mail. Check their pockets for a walnut hammer. I just thought he carries the hammer around with him all the time. He's got a little walnut mallet. Got to be prepared. Um, so I'm just trying to find some other facts. I feel like we're done. I mean, the structure of this movie yeah, is like going we've, through. We've covered all the major stuff. The roll call scene is really amazing, considering that it is just people's names being read out. Yeah. And going like, nay. Yeah. Or, you know. And Michael Stauber goes, ah! That's good. That's that's. A, I like that. He tries to hit a high note. He goes, I. Um, uh, let's talk about the Joseph Gordon-Levitt subplot a little bit. Not too much. Okay, but, but yeah, then, then, then yeah. let's wrap His it up. His son wants to fight in the war. Lincoln doesn't. Lincoln's trying to use his executive power to block it. The son has this chip on his shoulder because Robert he's Todd Lincoln. the son of a great man. He feels that he does not want to be coddled or given any benefits because of who his father is. He wants to prove that he is his own man. I think he knows deep down. He says at one point, I cannot be you. Right. But I have to be something. Right. And so there's this sort of sidetrack to the movie that is Lincoln trying to scare him, scared straight him. Yeah, he kind of takes him to terrible scenes of, you know, people, you know, soldiers in recovery and things like, you know, the hospitals and it's gross. Right. He finally allowed him to be like Grant's secretary or whatever. He so was he like was his kind of like carrier, in, his mail carrier. He delivered yeah. the messages. And then he became a very famous. Uh, lawyer, and then he became uh, Secretary of War for Chester A. Arthur. Like, you know, he, yeah. he was a famous Dude person. proved himself, yeah. Uh, I just think these scenes are not what the movie's really about. I think in order for that to work, it would have to be like a Lincoln family movie that was really concerned with the Lincoln family. 
Um, you know, I mean, it's like the movie does such a good job of, I think, representing Mary Todd, but not inserting Mary Todd into the plot in ways that distract from what the movie's actually about. Whereas every time they go to the Gordon Levitt stuff, I'm like, this feels like it's out of a much more conventional Life of Lincoln story. Agreed. I don't love this stuff. And I guess it's sort of what makes it a four and a half star movie instead of a five star movie for yeah. me. It is uh, something I can deal with. I guess is the best way okay. to put it. I'll 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 take it, but it's definitely where I kind of glaze over or make make myself a cup of tea. Uh, yeah. My favorite moment in the movie, aside from when Bruce McGill flips out over the story, is when they're in court and they have the argument about what's the fucking thing that James Spader has to run with the letter. Uh, what? Uh, I don't know. Uh, they're like stuck at a stalemate, and they go like, "We can't do this unless the president does this." Oh, it's uh, where Lincoln has to say there are no negotiators for peace, right? Uh, and so Lincoln sort of fudges it by saying, "Like as far as I know, there are none in Washington because they're in Virginia." Right, and what they're so trying, what they're there. trying to do is uh, delay the hearing so that they don't even have to deal with it for a while. They're like, "We have to postpone this. We can't even vote on the amendment unless we know." And then James Fair is like, I got a fucking idea. Writes it down word for word, runs it over to him. Joey Cross, mm-hmm. the widest of awakes, follows right behind the him. The widest, too. Okay. Well, yeah, true that. Yeah. And then Jeremy Strong behind him, and this great scene where uh, Joseph Cross is arguing that it's like an obstruction of power. Yeah. And uh, so you, you cannot lie right now. Yeah. And Lincoln's like, listen to me. Give me your hand. And he takes his hand, yeah. and then he gives the letter to James Spader and is like, run this back. <laughs> like, you think it's like he's going to grab his hand so he right. can look Say him like, in the eyes? An old mill with a yeah. couple of mice and some yeah. bucket of cream. And he's just like, I want to make sure your hands aren't available. <laughs> Occupied. Yeah. Right. Um, they go back. They vote. It's thrilling. It's exciting. It's satisfying. And then as we Tommy discussed- Lee Jones takes the bill. He takes the they bill. Go, you can't take that. It's the original He's document. Like, I'll return it tomorrow with Crease. I wish I could do his accent. Yeah. I can't. Uh, with Crease, but I can't. Do Brings it, it to yeah. Espatha Merkerson, who plays his, in, in in history, was like the lady of his household. Like, yes. They were not officially married, but uh, it's now presumed his that they, they had a romantic relationship. Right. So he they comes home, and you together. think he's just talking to sort of his housekeeper. And then as the conversation continues, they both undress. He takes off his wig, and they get into bed together. I think it's a pretty successful Spielberg kind of just like, uh, not hitting it too hard, you know. I I love that he holds that off until the end of the movie, so you kind of just think that he's like an ornery asshole, although an ornery asshole fighting for the right thing, right? And you realize like, oh, this is his personal stake. Yeah, uh, love. A little bit. It's and it's a little cutesy, but it is history, so I it's sort it of hard to argue with. Yeah. And then after this, the movie cuts to I think. The, the Grant Lincoln porch conversation. Yeah, I guess so. I can't remember how it all unfolds. Which I think is how the movie should end. I would end it on that scene with some kind of button. I could even end it on his conversation with Stephen Henderson, with, with William Slade, and then he walks, you know, off, and it's very Spielbergy, and he's cutting the Lincoln profile or whatever, but that's fine that he's walking to his okay. doom. So that's the moment that I start to get irritated with I agree, movie. but if it ended right there, you'd be less irritated. It's that it's that, and then you're like, then he went to the play. No, I'll bad be, news. I'll be honest with you. That's the moment where I threw up my hand. All right. Well, I don't care. And I'll tell you what it is. Uh-huh. It's the three cuts back to Stephen McKinley Henderson looking at Lincoln and giving the like, man, what a great man. Maybe look. make it one cut. Right. He does three, and it's this moment of like, God, look, what a hero. As if McKinley Henderson knows that the man's okay. about to look, die. There's something to the fact, I think, to both for both Kushner and Spielberg, that mm-hmm. like he did this and then died almost immediately after. Yeah, that's that's crazy. 
Yeah, here's here, and like it yeah. really was like he put his life on the line. It happened, and then he was literally shot for his political beliefs. Here's what I would do. Also, because you know, uh, old Boothy was right. You know, a little that scene where they're talking in the cabinet, wacky, and then McKinley Henderson comes in and is like, "Hey, seven thirty play. We should get in the road." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh well, I must go, even though I'd rather be here." I would end it there, and with him walking away without the fucking McKinley Henderson, there goes a hero close up, and that would be the end of the movie. I think the second they keep on cutting back and the music swells and he's in silhouette, he starts gilding the lily way too hard. And then you add in, oh, here's the misdirect. It's a play. But wait, this isn't the American friend. Oh, it's Gully McGrath seeing a play. Right. Who? The kid from the Dark Shadows character poster. Right, enough, enough, enough. And then they tell him that he's dead and then he cries. And then the scene of everyone in the bed. It's like a fucking. It's yeah. too much. And then and then you cut to after all this uh, hullabaloo. Uh, a shot of him delivering his inaugural address from yes. a few months ago, which is fine. I, I, I if you want to make that your little, it's the milk ending where you cut after his death. To, you, you got to give him hope. That's fine. You got to like, give him hope. And it's such an image as well because it is like as we've already heard with the Gettysburg Address. Like most people can't even hear him. Sure. It's, you know he's a he's a politics was a more reduced thing back then. But, yes, uh, but if you want that to be your capper, okay. But like lose the lose the. I'll minutes. tell you what I do. I would do. Oh, I must go, even though I'd rather be here. He walks away. You don't cut to Henderson's reaction. You see the silhouette, and over that, you hear the audio. Sure. That would be my ending, because even getting into that clip of him giving the address, Spielberg does the most Spielbergy move, which is they go, we've lost him. He's officially gone. And then they cut to a close-up of the lamp and the flame, the flickering, flame flickering, and then hey. the flame transitions into... Hey. My friend. What? Don't you fuck with Steven Spielberg. Flame of light. <laughs> Flame of life. I get it. All right. Let's play the box office game. I don't disagree with you. I just, I think you maybe are uh, 10% more angry about this. I, I am. I think this movie's very good. Uh, that stuff always has prevented me from being able to love it. It's a great movie. It'd be my top 10 of that year for sure. Uh, it was nominated for many Oscars. Daniel Day-Lewis won Best Actor. The first actor directed by Steven Spielberg to win an Oscar. Is that, that's insane. Isn't that Crazy. That's very bizarre. Yeah, that was the first performance Steven Spielberg had directed that won wow. an Oscar, um, which is rude of the Oscars, but good to give it to Daniel Day. And yeah, it was his third lead actor Oscar. He's the only one to have three leads, and he's now tied with the most any male actor has had. Period. It was cool to give me a shout out in the speech. He did. Yeah, and he listed all your nicknames. I like, know. It yeah. bit into most of us. They were playing him off, and yeah, he was going it was, like, I mean, it was okay. like such an honor. Yeah. He's box not up, Professor Chris. Box office game. <laughs> box office game. <laughs> Was that the one where he knighted, like he got knighted by Tilda Swinton? No, is that that is that the Meryl Streep gave Meryl him the Street Oscar, and they him. made the joke about how he was supposed to play Margaret Thatcher and she was supposed to play Lincoln, and they yeah, did a swap, and it was yeah. a great joke. He fucking killed it. He was really funny. Dennis Lewis is funny. All right, funny so speech. Lincoln opens number fifteen at the box office. Number fifteen. No, oh, oh, because it opened limited first week on November 9th, two thousand twelve. It opens limited its first week. Eleven screens makes eighty five thousand dollars per screen. Not not too shabby. Lately. Let's go to its first wide weekend. No. You want to do the limited weekend? Yes. I feel like in the past, when a movie's open on less than 100 screens, we go to the first wide They're weekend. the same, for crying out loud. It's just one of them has Lincoln in it. So let's just do the other one. We can do both. Tell me who's number one. Okay, so it's, what, October 2012? November 9th, 2012. November 9th. Number one at the box office okay. this week. Makes $88 million in its first weekend. Jeez. It is the 20th film in a series. Uh, it is the movie Skyfall? It is the movie Skyfall. Okay. Number two is an animated film. It's an 
animated paper. In its second weekend, makes $33 million, 93 total so far. What does it end up at? Uh, it ends up at uh, 189 domestic. Okay, so it wasn't a Pixar picture. I see it in theaters and love it. It's my best animated film of the year, I think. Really? Yeah. It's a DreamWorks? No. Did it did it win Best Animated Film at the Oscars? No, it lost to a very inferior Pixar film. Interesting. It lost to an inferior Pixar Hugely film. Hugely inferior. What do you consider to be an inferior? Think about it, buddy. Pixar. I believe the last Pixar movie to win an Oscar. Brave? Yes. 2012. The other things about Paranorman was nominated. Mm. Such a good movie. He's going to do his OOO thing in a minute. Ended up at 100, 180, you said? 189, I think. CGI? Uh, yeah, and the sequel is coming, I believe. Oh, 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 Wreck It Ralph. Wreck It Ralph. I did the OOO. Love that movie. Yeah. Number three. You love Wreck We've talked about it so many times in the podcast. Jesus number Christ. three is from your man, uh, a director you like, who I like too, but I think is bad now. We discussed one of his movies briefly earlier. Tim Burton. Nope. Another director. Yeah. I like Tim Burton, okay. I mean, just not now. Same with this guy, I guess. Keep on poo-pooing that miniseries, though. Yes, I do. It's a bad idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> no, it isn't. Great idea. No. Uh, okay, he's bad now. I like him a lot. I still defend him. Do I defend this movie? I don't actually know what you think of this movie. It was nominated for, I think, a couple Oscars, maybe three total. Not too many, but you know, a couple of big Oscars. Uh, it's, a, it's a drama. It's a grown-up drama. It's a straight grown-up drama. It's got some. It's got some epic stuff in it, but it's not like uh, you know a big, fancy blockbuster. Budget you, was thirty-one million dollars. And you hate it? I don't. I've never seen it. I refuse to see this movie. Oh, you're against the very idea of the movie. I know that I can't handle it. I okay. can't handle this movie. And what? It, this movie me, has the one thing that I really try to avoid when I'm seeing movies. Farts? No, I'm fine with farts. Give me the box office again. Uh, in its second week, it's making 14 mil, 47 so far, and it grosses 93 total. Wow. So that's good, good performance for drama. Nominated for two Oscars, including an acting Oscar. A supporting? Lead. A lead. 93. From a director you like and I like, but I think maybe The Shine's losing, you know, losing luster. When would you say The Shine, The Bloom Ooh, came off the rest? 2000. The last movie I really liked by him was in 2000. Uh, not Ang Lee is not Steven Soderbergh. No. I love Steven Soderbergh. I'm thinking about people who made good movies in 2000. Sure. Not really Scott. No. He uh, made two movies in 2000. This director did? Yeah. So he pulled a Soderbergh, the same movie that Soderbergh pulled a Soderbergh? Oh, 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 oh. It's a movie by Bobby Zemeckis. Correct. And it is called Flight. Yes. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. I don't love it. I think but there's some good love, stuff in it. You like Bobby Z. I like Bobby but Z. But Flight's not your cup of tea. No, I think Allied's much better. I think Allied's a wonderful film. Number four is the best picture winner of that year. Uh, best picture winner of 2012 is 12 Years a Slave? No. No, that's later. It's next. Uh, what beats Lincoln? The Artist? Nope. That's the previous year. Fuck. Argo? Correct. Uh, fuck yourself. Argo, fuck yourself. Yeah. Which in its fifth week has made 85 mil on its way to 136 total. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah, good play. Good play. Number five. Is a sequel starring an actor we discussed who was not in Lincoln, but could have been. I mean, you know, he, we, he was almost in Lincoln. Oh, Liam Neeson, Taken Two? Taken Two. Okay. Four million, 131 million, 
It makes 139. Is it T-O-O or is it the number two? It's the number two, unfortunately. The premise of Taken 2 is unbelievable, and the movie drops the ball so hard, but it's like the best concept for an action sequel that anyone's ever had. Uh, Yeah? Yeah. Why? Well, Taken 1 is like, they kidnap his daughter, he has to kill a bunch of like nameless, faceless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like... What's Taken 2? Taken 2 opens with the father of all the people he killed oh, in the right, first movie. Right. Being like, God it's damn Rod Servega, it! and they're like, we finally found an image of the man. And he looks, and it's essentially a movie about the collateral damage of all these like undeveloped characters who just get killed by action heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like they're burying like all his nephews and like sons and everything. And he looks at the picture and he's like, I'm gonna find him. It's essentially retribution for all the people Liam Neeson killed trying to get retribution for his daughter in the first movie. Like, it's all the guys in action movies that are just like, ah, It's, ugh, it's like, almost a movie about, like, moral gray area and how everyone's a villain to someone else. And then it sort of drops the ball halfway oh, through. that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, bad and director. Then, Olivia and, Megaton, bad director. And the next weekend, when Lincoln goes wide, it jumps to number three. It does like 20? Uh, it does 21. And then it uh, goes up the following weekend. Lincoln had a great run. It did 180 domestic? And then uh, it makes 182 domestic. It's insane. It makes For drama, 275 worldwide. Yeah. Great, great total. Like, so th- I think the rights had been in Paramount for a while, and Brad Gray didn't want to make it because he was like, look at Amistad. Amistad, like, tapped out at a pretty small number. This is you doing the same thing. It's going to be another Amistad. But, you know, you know, got that Oscar buzz. It had Daniel D. Uh, but he talked about how he was like, he couldn't get this movie yeah, made. Yeah, they were afraid it would be another Amistad. Like, yeah. literally, the producers yeah. were like, I don't want to give you more than, like, $40 million for it, this because it could be another Amistad. Like, one of the five most successful dramas of the last 10 years. Linky. Uh, and so the the other, the movies in the top 10, in the top five that week are Skyfall, wreck ralph Flight. But the number one movie that week was the final film in a five-film Young Adult Saga. Uh, Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. What was its opening weekend gross? Please, I ask you. I beg. 154? 141. Yeah. You overshot. I overshot. What the fuck? Yeah, those movies uh, did very, very well. $141 million? Like, it's not like Hunger Games where you could tell enthusiasm was waning by Mockingjay yeah. Part 2. Like, right. they start, like, that's crazy. Didn't the second one make 160-something opening weekend? It's possible. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, uh, the, the 142 for New Moon, 141 for Breaking Down Part 2, 138 for Breaking Down. Like, they very consistent. Yeah. Eclipse weirdly opens only to 64. But it was a five-day. Yeah, on Wednesday. right, 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 right. I remember seeing, uh, uh, what's the second one's New Moon? Uh, correct. I saw that Midnight. That's like the real boring one. Yeah, that one fucking blows. But I saw that uh, Midnight uh, opening night because I'm ride or die case too, and especially was at that time. Yeah. And uh, the the level of excitement and fanaticism in that theaters it was like it was like watching hey, like man. the Beatles play Ed Sullivan for for like three glorious years that was the thing when the Summit Entertainment logo came oh, up Jesus. the logo for the studio that produced the movie the, the applause was so thunderous and screaming and I turned to my friend and went I will never get that response to anything <laughs> I do in my entire life no one will ever be as excited you never know. About something I do as they are by the Summit Entertainment logo. Yeah, Limp Biscuit also got a round of applause <laughs> like that too. Let's take it easy. Anyway, that's Lincoln. He makes this film. It does crazy well. It gets a bunch of Oscar nominations. It only ends up winning two. And uh, Spielberg then goes on to decry the uh, modern state of studio filmmaking and going like, 
dramas don't exist anymore. They've been killed off. It's all blockbusters. Sure. He and Lucas make this joint kind of like old man complaint, even though they're the guys who created right. the blockbuster. Amen. And he's like, I can't even get movies made anymore. And it's like, you just got a $60 million budget to make a movie that made almost $200 million. Um, <sighs> That's what I say to that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's true. He does start to grouse. What, what do you want, Ben? Oh, I've got just two things before we you got wrap two up. Things. Go for mm-hmm. it. All right. So um, this movie, the thought I had was, this is definitely going to be played in history classes. Yes. This is like a history class movie, but yeah. I think it's a really good one. I, w- I was thinking that too while watching this. I was like, would I be excited if this came on in a history class and was like, oh, wow, this is better than I expected a movie I'm watching in history class to be. Um, like, I remember Glory was the one. Yeah. That's what stands out in my mind. Sure, sure. I, Classic I, history class. I, I, yeah, this is certainly a much better wow. movie. Yeah. I do think uh, that probably also goosed the box office. I feel like this is a movie where, like, a lot of field trips happen. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know? What's the other thing? But, no, I just want to say, so, um, with that, mm-hmm. you can also play this podcast at your school or for your, yes. for your students. Yes. 100%. Um, yes. Absolutely. It's really educational. So. Right. Maybe as the, like even like build it into the lesson plan, play 100%. the movie, then play the podcast. History yeah. teachers that listen to the show. And look, people have been talking a lot, asking us about when merch is going to be available. We're still working on it. We're having a lot of problem with offshore manufacturers. But Ben, there is a um like a blank check lesson plan. Like oh, there's yeah. a package you mm-hmm. can buy. Sure. It's all paper materials and then uh, cassette tapes. It comes in a, a big clamshell like Muzzy. And uh, All right, I it's, it's how up. to teach along with blank check, yep. using it as a, yep. as an educational tool in the classroom. So look All forward right. to that. Okay, last thing. I'll wrap it up quickly. Please, please. Uh, I'm so hungry. No. All right. I don't know why I came across this when I was looking in like IMDb's dumb. Oh, but like... qu- quick pause before I forget. We forgot to mention that Chet Hayes is in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Is he? The scene with, with the motorcycle chase where they end up in the library of the college and they land at the desk of a kid who's working and he's uh-huh. like, uh, Professor Jones, about that question, mm-hmm. and he gives him the note, and then the joke is that like he's doing okay. homework. Okay. Okay. That's Chet Hayes. Okay. Well, listen, I don't know why it was in the IMDb Sorry, fucking so facts hungry, trivia thing, sure. but it mentioned Colin Hanks and said that uh, their family is related to Lincoln. So Tom Hanks, our national treasure boy, what is related to Lincoln? Yeah, it might not be Tom Hanks because it might be Colin Hanks' mother. That's all. Oh, that's. I have no idea. No, True. it says it says Tom it Hanks. It does says this says Tom Hanks. Okay, it says Tom Hanks. It's just funny that he's you related to Colin Lincoln's. Yep. <laughs> he's related to Lincoln's mother. Yes, his yeah. mother Nancy Hanks is related to Lincoln distantly, and uh, that's cool. That's very cool. Uh, so that's my history lesson, and again, that would be in the lesson plan. Yeah. Well, that so has been our episode on Lincoln. Uh huh. Uh, tune in next week when we're discussing Bridge of Spies. Oh, more like great movie. I'm so excited. More like the best fucking movie. It's the best fucking Spoiler movie. Spoiler alert, I already watched Bridge of Spies, uh, and it's the best. I just bought the blue the other day. Can't <sighs> wait to spin that. Bought this. it on iTunes, but uh, so good. Well, I got the blue, so I could also get that digital copy. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> get you a purchase that can do saying. both. Yes, I know. I just, but I needed that Bridge of Spies right now. I was yeah. like, yeah, but I want to be able to look at that plastic case. I want that Amray case. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I want it every time I open my Apple TV to see Tom Hanks' face in, surrounded by the American and Soviet flags. Look, you're making it sound. You're making a sound argument, and this is the whole point of Bridge of Spies. It's the gray area of morality. It's which which is the better purchase for how to own Bridge of Spies in your collection, physically or digitally? Who knows? Things are not this black and white. We will discuss that film next week. I'm very excited. David's very excited. Ben I'm is really checking excited. his phone. Um, thank you all for listening. Yep. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, check out the Reddit. 
backslash r backslash blankies. Um, and and as always. Now, 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 now. It's better. It got a little better, right? This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. Thank <laughs> you.